Warning, this podcast contains scenes of explicit nonsense and lore. Previously on the Resident Evil podcast. There's so much to genuinely hate. The controls, the overly complex narrative, the stupid plot reveals, the HUD, the gunplay, the item management, the sheer length of the bloody game, the linearity. It was the literal embodiment of everything I personally do not like in this it was nice to revisit these particular classic characters and some of these more traditional themes. And when it resumes, you will be in a four-player environment. It, 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 it's a fleeting event because usually either you get killed so many times and it's over. I still don't like cucumbers. And welcome to episode 84 and the beginning of a brand new season of the Resident Evil podcast, where once again we enter the world of Final Fantasy opera singers and speech-inducing leeches. Yes, it's still Biohazard. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune. Let's see who's joining us today. He's still trying to insert those dateless files into the timeline. It's the Batman. Good evening. He's not the most successful specimen. It's Star's Tyrant. Yo. And finally, he didn't design this mansion. Is this why no one likes it? It's George Trevor. Hi. So welcome one and all to season eight of our EP. And what better way to kick off this season with our 20-year happy birthday look back at the root of all evil, Resident Evil Zero. That's right. Released 20 years ago, between November 2002 and March 2003, depending on uh, what part of the world you were living in. This was the very much anticipated prequel to the Mansion Incident. Uh, folks will remember that it was first going to be released on the Nintendo 64, and there was even a demo showcased at a game show, and uh, ported and remade, basically, into the GameCube classic that it is now today. Interestingly, it's perhaps one of the first divisive games, I would say, in the series, certainly in the mainline series, and to celebrate this fact, the team have gone back and played the game from beginning to end, taking you through our experiences in this unique quasi-co-op game. We also have a look at all the latest Resident Evil news, and of course, we start this season with a, a new edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. The first bit of news, not too much news since we last recorded, and just as a heads up, we are recording this uh, just at the beginning of January, release date maybe a bit later on, but uh, Remake 4 was shown off at the Arab Gaming Show. We didn't see anything particularly new, but some of the concerns about the game being delayed were alleviated. There's been no change to the release date, and uh, more importantly, the PS4 version has not been shifted either. Uh, people may remember that it was, I think it was taken off the Steam release date, Sean, I think that was right. And then people started to lose their minds. Yeah, and I think even some of the PlayStation listings were a bit murky because pl the PlayStation 4 logo seemed to disappear from some of the PlayStation Store entries. Ah. But um, I think all is okay now. 
all is calm. All is calm. <laughs> so P- PS4 owners like myself, we can rest easy that it's coming out on roughly the same time. Whether we'll ever get a Switch Cloud version remains to be seen. George, whilst you're here, because um, I've been a bit absent recently, are you, are you looking forward to Remake 4? Because it's not coming out on Xbox One, is it? So you're missing out a bit unless you, you're able to pick up a Series X or, P- or PC. I'm I'm trying to think of something to say about the remake without mentioning the third person perspective that I don't like because I feel that's all I ever bang on about. It will be like remake two and three is kind of over the shoulder, which it's not as zoomed in, is it? You know, I was playing Revelations two the other day, and you can see all the way down Claire's. So be careful how I phrase this. <laughs> <laughs> all the way down past her thighs. No, but there's a serious point here to be made. You know, the camera is is further away and actually in some angles, almost like down to her feet. And, you know, I just find it, 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 it just obscures too much of the screen for me. And I think it was quite immersive breaking for me personally for the remakes of two and three. So I am honestly a little bit worried. Other than that, generally, no, I'm kind of excited to just play through this narrative without, you know, a camera. Again, you know, I couldn't deal with the camera in the original, not because of the perspective, but, it, you know, the way it just kept flicking back to the centre. I found that quite difficult to deal with, like from a motion sickness point of view. So, I mean, it looks stunning. And, and I really loved, you know, some of the narrative I wasn't keen on. I don't like the James Bond plot of, you know, saving the president's daughter. But where it was actually, where that narrative was then placed, you know, that very gothic environment and the castle. Yeah, I'm really enjoying how, well, I'm looking forward to how they're going to realise you know, with, with these graphics on these platforms, some of those kind of gothic areas and the, and the castle uh, that we got. Interesting. Uh, we'll have a bigger podcast about Remake 4, but Batman, do you have anything else that's piqued your interest in it? Well, I'm only, I'm getting cautiously excited now. You know, I'm pleased that it seems to be relatively faithful. I'm just hoping that they will really rework the castle and make it smaller and more of like a proper hub area a bit like the rpd or the mansion because the castle in the original game is just far too big i'm interested to see what they're going to add law wise i think they really will do a deep dive on the story this time around and expand on a lot of aspects i'm obviously very keen to see how they're going to incorporate wesker and the rival company and the whole nemesis parasite linked to the plaga and also, I'm interested to see if they're potentially going to rewrite the Wesker wanting to resurrect Umbrella angle and tie it into Blue Umbrella, because we know Blue Umbrella was formed in 2007, which is only three years after the events of Resident Evil 4. So I am interested to see what they're going to do with that. But yeah, cautiously optimistic. I'm looking forward to a new trailer. Mm. I think what you say about the faithfulness is either is going to be for me a blessing or a curse i don't know i can look at remake 2 and remake 3 and i think sean probably agrees with me on this and i can just go they're fine they're they're clearly reimaginings more so than perhaps law remakes whereas remake 1 that's taking everything from the original game and you know and then adding to it Nothing was lost by the scrapbook, yes. You know, I'm sure someone will tell me. From what we've seen so far, very limited, of course. Remake 4 could well be a remake in the same mould as Remake 1. And that excites me and terrifies me at the same time. (laughs) What about you, Sean? Yeah, I mean, I think I said pretty much that in a previous episode. That it looks like the layout of the village and everything leans more to it being a more of a RE1 remake than the reimaginings of 2 and 3. But we've seen so little, it's hard to even mm. sort of say that with any sense of confidence. I have no doubt that because it's by the same team that did the second game, it will be an exceptional gameplay experience. But I just almost know I'm going to come out at the end of the uh, review episode going, 
I absolutely love this game. It's one of the best games in the series. I just wish it wasn't a remake. <laughs> you know, if, if you just took out all the mechanics and put it into a brand new original story with new characters, it would be absolutely amazing. You know, that kind of thing. We shall see. We shall see. So expect a lot of coverage of Remake 4 in this new series. Uh, Site news, the big site news you should have seen is that we've had a slight little rebranding of our website and our social media platforms. And you should have heard the nice new introduction coming into it. Uh, That is replicated in our YouTube pages as well. So we felt it was time to give a little update to how we present ourselves, should we say, to the outside world. The Blue Umbrella-esque logo was coming to an end. We had obviously celebrated 10 years. We had a special kind of logo for that on some of our social media platforms. So we just felt it was time to move on and now hopefully enjoy our new little turning head zombie which we've you know tweaked to showcase these listening and speaking which of course is the hallmarks of any good podcast so the website will be gradually updated to change the color scheme so keep your eyes on that and just as a kind of preview if you like in going into the new year batman you've got some updates as well with law room editions coming i'm working on a couple of new editorials slash projects for the website as well so uh, there is plenty to look forward to batman what can they expect from your good self well as you would expect i'm currently working on an update to the timeline and whilst i'm adding things to that i'm obviously buying and translating more supplemental materials so i've got a few more books that's got some extra information in i'm obviously redoing all the translations that were in the old version i'm improving them making them more accurate and because we're also trying to streamline the timeline to make it more readable as well as adding new content we're taking a lot of the features out of it and putting them in as separate features so so when the law room is populated a bit more, you'll be able to read things like Angela's diary, the BSAA desktop, as well as, you know, translations of all supplemental sections from things like the Kaitasid Shinso guidebooks and other bits and pieces as well. So it's going to take time. Obviously, we as a group, I think it's pretty well known. We don't have a lot of time compared to other content creators. So we are slow and steady, but we get there in the end. But I'd like to think that come sort of summer, we'll have a lot more meat on our website absolutely in a nutshell lots to look forward to just trust trust yourself that's why i'm working behind the scenes that does finish the news uh, both site news and gaming news we now turn our attention to why you've tuned in yes it's happy birthday resident evil zero a midwestern town in america raccoon city a solitary island far off in the sea rockfort island an island that would become the second raccoon city, Sheena Island. There are still many unanswered questions about these seemingly unrelated yet intensely traumatic events. Though it is believed that the International Enterprise Umbrella was somehow involved, little is known as to the origin of this faceless corporation. When was it established? By whom? And how was the T-Virus created? To uncover the truth, we must delve deeper into the events which transpired in the beginning, before the mansion incident. Welcome one and all, here we go. We are going to take you back to a time of tank controls, beautiful pre-rendered backgrounds, graphics that you'd never seen before, the showcase, the, the pinnacle arguably of the GameCube era 
It's interesting. There was a comment on our Discord server about how they perceive Resident Evil Zero as being the the poster child, if you like, for the, for the Resident Evil series more so than four, which is quite interesting because that kind of gained a new lease of life on the PS2, whereas Zero very much locked to the GameCube for a long, long time. It's an interesting game. We don't intend to review it particularly, but we just want to, as I said, go through the game beginning to end, showcasing our experiences, any tips and tricks you may have, and uh, some of the harrowing experiences as well that no doubt annoyed because this game does have a few annoying enemies that I'm sure a few of us will want to touch upon and how many times you were killed by those bloody monkeys. So we will... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we will certainly get get to that. But what I what I think it's quite good because we never did a retrospective Resident Evil Zero episode. Maybe give perhaps each of us give a quick overview of where you felt coming back into playing Zero now. Perhaps it's been a few years, you know, since since your original playthroughs of the game, and perhaps your thoughts beforehand. And then of course we can wrap this up at the end with your overall thoughts at the end. Batman, did you start with you? Where were you, where were you before you loaded up the game? Well, I think I last played Zero would have been a couple of years ago now because I tried to do a bit of a serious playthrough in the run-up to uh, Village coming out. I was a bit apprehensive going back to this because I thought after coming off playing things like Shadows of Rose and then Resident Evil 6 for the last podcast, going back to Zero and remembering how slow and cumbersome it was. And even going back to the camera angles, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to really struggle with this. But I must admit, Once I got past the train section and into the training facility, I really started to enjoy it. And it turned out to be, you know, a very enjoyable and quite successful playthrough for me because I don't play these games much anymore. And I was quite happy with my uh, performance in this one. You know, I'm not blind to its faults. I don't want to repeat all the points we've made in previous podcasts about it being hampered because of its prequel status and, and it sort of came at the end of the the camera angle gender generation and stuff like that but yeah i uh i enjoyed this one yeah looking forward to discussing it sean yeah my, my relationship with zero is is very up and down i, I it's, it's quite similar in many ways coincidentally being a uh being a prequel um to the star wars prequels and that sometimes i'll watch them and i'm sort of less bothered by the flaws and the things it does wrong and, and other times i'll watch them and it's fine and and my relationship with zero is very similar sometimes i'll play it and it doesn't bother me at all and other times the mechanics and things like that frustrate me no end and i'm definitely with this particular playthrough more on the mechanics frustrated me no end this time i don't know whether it's because i played the gamecube original and i kind of found i was missing the quality of life enhancements the hd port had so I, I, di- I did find I let the things I don't like about the game get under my skin a little bit at times. I didn't have a horrible time with it, and I'm always constantly dazzled and wowed by the production value to this title. And I can tell you now, I played it on a CRT for the first time in probably over 15 years, the GameCube version on a CRT, it's, and it still looks every bit as incredible as it did the day it came out. It's, it's a treat, an audiovisual treat. But yeah, I, I had some issues with it this time, that's safe to say. George Trevor, you are our regular champion of Resident Evil Zero. Uh, where, were, where were you? Where, where was your headspace coming into, in, into 20 years of the game? It's not so jarring for me. You know, I'm not coming back to it from any length of absence. I play it regularly. I will play it far more often than most of the titles that have been released since revelations 2 it's kind of on a on a recurring list for me remake revelations 2 zero it just you know all the survival horror itches that i have it just scratches you know stars mentions it it is an audio treat it has for me up there the best sound design in the series 
some of the tracks are just incredible. And, you know, when I'm playing survival horror, I, I'm an ogler. You know, I just I just love to stare and ogle everything. So I think that's why I've never generally warmed to the 3D environments that, that you know, that all series, obviously the series was always going to go to, where you're kind of moving around quite quickly. You know, so the pre-rendered backdrops are just ideal for me and for what I want to do within the gameplay. And again, it's I think it goes back a lot to the debate, you know, are you a gamer that's far more interested in the story or are you a game that's far more in, you know in, in the gameplay and i tend to far more to the gameplay so i look i'm not going to defend the indefensible we'll come to it there are various aspects of this game narrative wise and gameplay mechanics that for some people are almost game breaking but for me i think because the highs are so high and as a whole general experience it's a wonderful game for me sound design game mechanics atmosphere it's incredible. And I think some real emotional plot points in, in, in this game, and again, we'll come to it, I think that some of the criticisms of Zero can equally be, be, be held, up, held against some of the more recent releases. But it just seems that I think people are more in, in a happy place, quite, quite brilliantly so, but with the series, where they may be more reluctant to, to, to criticise some of the more recent releases. But I think there, you know, there are things that are wrong with this game and you can find the identical thoughts in more recent releases. But overall, I think it's it is I think it's a survival horror classic. You know, just ignore the operatic bits. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we can't ignore it right now because that's the introduction. So let's 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 hit play on the game, and we are introduced wonderfully to the Bravo team. And I think we can all agree the scene of Bravo team flying over the Arclay Mountain and the forest was something we had longed for. Uh, as fans seeing them actually go out on their mission we'd only heard about it in the original game and it was it's just wonderful to see the entire cast of bravo team together and then it all kind of like stops and we land and no, I'm blaming Enrico. Sorry, that's Enrico's fault. He completely sidesteps <laughs> the mission into this completely new mission to yeah, no, that's I'm blaming Enrico for that. Double crosser I just remember being utterly heartbroken because I, I had an American GameCube in the back in the day, so I imported the NTSC version because it came out a lot quicker than the PAL version. And I had no idea what was about to happen. And, and when the train starts moving, I thought, well, none of Bravo team are on here. And I was like <laughs> utterly heartbroken thinking we're just speeding away from Bravo team and we're never going to see them again. But of course, that was always the intention, I think. You know, go back to the N64 days, mm -hmm. the, the meetup with Billy and Rebecca on a train, always part of the plan. Yeah, but the problem is the the game that people wanted becomes a B story in their own game. You know, the Bravo team just they're gone, <laughs> they're completely gone. But for one appearance from Enrico, they're never seen again. I don't think there was anything obvious in the pre-release material that suggested that either. We're, we're all Aliens fans here. There was a game Aliens. I played it on the Amstrad. I think around nineteen eighty eight, eighty nine, and you took control of each individual, uh, you know, Ripley, Burke, or each individual member until one died. And it just would have been, you know, fantastic if maybe we'd got something similar with Zero of each member of Bravo team kind of got whittled down and you could go, you know, maybe, you know, for, I don't know, not necessarily episodic for each member, but just if you had maybe more control of each one and maybe when, you know, one one perishes, you go on to the next member of the squad. Mm, I remember reading an interview with Makami. I can't remember which magazine it was. It, it was a, an English language magazine, obviously some kind of GameCube magazine. And Makami was asked the question what he would have done 
if he was to direct Resident Evil Zero. And he never said anything about the setting or the circumstances, but he did say he would have told a story where it shows each member of Bravo team getting picked off one by one. Oh, there we go. <laughs> which I thought was very interesting, but I, I honestly cannot remember which magazine it was in. It was obviously something around the time of when Zero was first released. The good news, though, ladies and gentlemen, is that thankfully the train is a wonderful, wonderful setting. And I've said it before, I think, on the podcast. It is one of, if not my favourite, and I use this term very loosely, opening level. Not really a thing in Resident Evil, but it's something that's kind of crept in, I think, with, with the rise of general kind of tutorials in games. You kind of get opening bits and in re4 you can't you know the opening bit if you like is all the way up to the bingo line or whatnot i kind of consider the the train as this kind of opening tutorial slash level and i love the train i would have spent hours in the train and actually if you go back and watch some of my youtube videos you will see that i do spend quite a long time in the train <laughs> attempting to complete it yeah some of that time more accidental than <laughs> Yeah. Can I just very quickly say one of the things that I think really shines through on the train section and I think proves that pre-rendered backdrops can feature in, in more modern gaming is the way that on top of that static background, you've got layered the motion uh, and, and it's really emphasised when the train starts of, of, I mean, there's so much movement actually layered on top of that. You know, the, the wine bottles moving back and forward, the chandeliers it swaying, uh, but just so much more. If you actually take a, a moment to look, far more than in Remake, and you get it again when you go into the executive training centre. But yeah, no, I just, I love that, that you've got the motion layered on top of the static backgrounds. I think it looks fantastic. I'll, I'll get this out of my system now, just so I'm not spending the entire podcast banging on about, oh, CRT and everything like that. What did surprise me this time, going back to the GameCube version, actually how much missing animation there is in the HD version. It's not a deal, but the remake was, but there is notable missing effects and you know, like shadows waving in the wind and, you know, the grass is heavily reduced from the, the GameCube version. Just a little aside to note that if you've got a GameCube version kicking around, give it a go because I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by how changed some of the backgrounds actually are. That's not to say the HD version's a slouch by any means either. It's, an, it, you know, the HD version is an incredible looking game. It truly is. And then on the other side, other side of the coin, the HD version fixed some graphical errors like... The signs in the Ecliptic Express, you can they were all illegible in the original version, but because it's now so crystal clear. Swings and roundabouts, swings and roundabouts. But the, the actual, when you pick up the game and you know you, you start moving as, as Rebecca, it's quite a linear route through the train. You can go upstairs if you so wish, but you are blocked off by the leeches. So you're kind of forced through the main carriages until you trigger that first cutscene with the zombies. It's not quite on par with head turn zombie, is it? It's it's less the actual zombie itself, and it's more Rebecca's reaction or lack thereof. <laughs> Again, I think it speaks to how the gameplay and the sound design and the atmosphere almost like washes away a lot of the yeah. Some because it started reminding me. I don't even sort of realise there's no reaction at all from Rebecca, but also a lot of the interaction, early interaction between her and Billy is just ridiculous in the sense, like you say, her complete lack of response or reaction to someone that she's just found out has murdered up to 23 people. There's some of the, the dialogue between them. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it's ridiculous. and It's bizarre, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah bizarre, yeah. It's just, and, and like the fact that they're supposed to be investigating the murders of Raccoon City. And the first thing Rebecca does is literally board a train full of dead people 
and she never thinks to radio this in. <laughs> you know, like a crime scene or anything like that. Like, what has killed all these passengers? This is a mass murder scene. And she, at no point does she think, I'm going to radio this in and communicate to my boss that I've possibly found something that's connected to this case that's just all about Billy. Straight away, it's just it's just her, her mindset completely shifts from what she's supposed to be doing. Rookie's inexperience. <laughs> <laughs> hand waved away, hand waved away. But yeah, it, it's quite a, it's quite a simple opening. I think even in in hard mode, it's not too challenging. Although it's quite a narrow corridor in the train, you know, there's there's plenty of room to do it. What I do like is every every time you go back through some of these train carriages a random zombie will just kind of jump up from somewhere and you, you never notice them <laughs> until then. Oh, they wow. And you get lots of kind of like uh, cool jump scares with the uh, with them just kind of going... I think across the game you get a lot more of that than you do with Remake. Uh, I, I think over, overall, I think it's, it's a lot harder. It's more challenging than Remake. And also what you, you may notice on the train, but particularly in, in the training facility, is that unlike Remake, the zombies won't respawn. I don't know if this is because I often play it on hard mode, whether it's only on hard mode, but with remake, if you know, if you're kind of overcome with, with zombies, you can quickly, you know, go out the room knowing that the zombies will then reset to the center of that room. So you can then go back in that room, you know, and, and, and have, have some space, have some breathing space. Whereas with, with zero, once you go back into them, the zombie will be right up next against the door. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've they've got memories. The, the zero zombies, you know, they're 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 where you left them, as opposed to respawning back in the middle. But there is like a, a slight tactical element with the train as well, because I played hard mode, and obviously you've got to be very careful with your your ammo use in that mode. So the choice of being able to go upstairs when the leech eggs hatch, and you've got free roam of upstairs, if you actually take that route, you obviously save quite a lot of ammo because there's no zombies upstairs. Because like you say, every time you move up and down the train, there's at least one or two zombies rises up to attack. And obviously because the train carriages are so narrow, you can't get round them. So you do save quite a bit of ammo by sticking to the upstairs as much as possible. John, I'm going to have to say, wait, no Bravo team on this train. Oh, but there is one. <laughs> there is one in our first encounter with poor old Edward as we meet him and his looming death from uh, the Cerberus. You must be careful, Rebecca. forest is full of zombies and monsters zombies and monsters um, that's it that that is it for bravo team really isn't it <laughs> that's the only the only uh, death we see yes it is yeah, and he was he was quite a, an infamous character, wasn't he, Edward? Because previous to that, all he ever had was a little mention, I think, in the original PlayStation instruction manual, somersaulting headfirst into the train. I don't know how high he had to jump to do that, by the way. <laughs> but for me, what ruins that scene is the way he just says there's, so casually, oh, the forest is full of zombies and monsters, like it's an everyday thing. <laughs> And she just, he's just like, oh, yeah, zombies and monsters, cool. Yeah. If you play this chronologically, if you're doing like a series playthrough, it really doesn't work that this is the first entry because the characters behave as though this is commonplace now, as though this is like the seventh or eighth entry into a into a series. I was so surprised that the first file you pick up actually mentions, I think, the T-virus. So there's like no mystery at all. <laughs> It's definitely more designed to be played at a later date, as the opening narrative sort of implies, isn't it? You know, with the Raccoon City disaster, it, it tells you about the disaster before you actually get there if you play it chronologically. So mm. I do think on retrospect, looking back, it's probably better if you save this till you've done Rockfort and Sheena Island and then you go back. 
Yeah, mm. yeah. But I, it just sorry, just in terms of my playthrough, I actually struggled and nearly died straight away with the with the Cerberus that comes through the window because the camera angle there is appalling. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think there's two <laughs> there's two of them come through, and you just you can't see them at all if you just stand your ground. And uh, yeah, I think I got knocked down to danger by the second Cerberus, and this is where I thought, you know what, I'm I'm really going to struggle with this playthrough. I'm really not in the mood for this at all. Can we take this opportunity to uh, to comment how? weak Rebecca is in this game. Mm. I mean, I, I think you described it, Sean, as paper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at these games, uh, which comes as a shock to absolutely none of our listeners. Playing in normal mode, I mean, I just want to put her in the, you know, the main hall and leave her there because any bite is down to caution. Mm. There's just absolutely no wiggle room for her to survive anything and it's uh, honestly my playthrough was just me battling against herbs and you know somehow trying to make it out of all scenarios but then it's, it's really annoying because i find in my easy mode playthrough by the time i got to the centipede i think um i know jumping ahead a bit that i had like 250 handgun ammo on one and then you know 50 handgun ammo on the other i think there's a big difference between easy and normal personally but thankfully, you, you do meet Billy, and we, we've quickly touched upon the his, his amusing dialogue. Straight out of the Carlos school of charm, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I'm not sure if we're supposed to care that much about Billy. I don't, I, I don't know. It's I was never drawn into whether he killed the people or not. I'm, I'm not sure I was ever that bothered, quite frankly. I don't mind him as a character per se, but I mean, he reminds me a bit of a bit like Jake. He's just kind of there. It's interesting you say that because maybe he's been watered down because in the, the, the beta version, he, he was sort of conceived, Satoshi uh, Nakai conceived him as more of a, like a punk character and he, and he yeah. was initially going to be, it was going to be far more of a, a grey area whether he had killed these people or not. And you probably pick up on that point, maybe Nick, that they just kind of watered him down, but in doing so, he's just more of a vanilla character. He is. I didn't, I didn't think they had great chemistry, the two. It's not like they were like this kind of team of going, I'm not going to help you, but forced to do so. It's just like... The problem is that nothing happens. But when Once they get off the train, there's, there's barely any dialogue. I mean, if you think the, about the banter the characters have in, in the recent games, you know, like take, for example, in Remake 2, when Leon and Ada are walking into the sewers and they have like a five-minute conversation. Rebecca and Billy are just in absolute silence throughout the you know majority of the game. He's got no character development at all, and there's mm. nothing in there that sort of builds the relationship. It's almost as if they just they thought about having him as as, as the, the the gameplay mechanic of having the you know the the partner swapping, but didn't actually think about you know the the relationship behind that. How are we actually going to yeah draw these two characters together? No, no I think that I think that's a that's a nice interlude because he, his sole purpose is to do this two player or you know two character mechanic of being able to zap between characters when you want and the the train gives you a couple of opportunities with the i think the use of the dumb waiter isn't it and sending items back down you know down the lift i think it works quite well in the train it just gets annoying later on personally but in the train i think it worked okay i like the idea of going up on the roof i think it's a great experience with when it's certainly when the train's moving a bit later on i think that still looks great to, to this day and then you know flicking between the characters is quite you know it's quite intuitive and then that of course also brings straight away brings into the new mechanic of just being able to drop items and you know just have another character pick it up it's one of those things i think beforehand everyone probably went oh at last you can just drop your items everywhere 
you know, it made sense. Oh, we don't, we don't need, we don't need the item boxes anymore. But how quickly do you wish you had an item box in this game? You know, we've mentioned before, it just doesn't help that the hunting rifle that you pick up, two spaces, the hook shot, two spaces. And you're like, oh, this is, this is annoying. Yeah, I mean, I'd actually love to see um, someone reverse code this game and actually take away this mechanic and, and put item boxes back in. Because, um, like you say, Nick, every, every sort of you know good intention that they they had with giving you the options of you know not having that frustration of not having an inventory, I can just drop an item. Mm. It just means you've got to come back and go and get the thing you've dropped anyway. So it it, it doesn't save any time or anything like that. I, I don't think you can plan as well if you know what i mean like you know it used to be a case you just chuck everything in an item box and then you can go you 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 equip like your bare essentials to go out and forage and collect all your items and whatnot whereas i i find i can't plan zero as well Mm -hmm. and stuff just ends up being scattered and you, you tend to make certain key locations essentially like a large item box and stuff just gets dropped everywhere and then frustratingly you end up filling up a room and you can't drop any items in there anymore and yeah like you say the two slot weapons complete nonsense in a you know in a game that's already got an impacted inventory system they give you numerous items that that take up more than you know one slot it's just yeah It is hard. I mean, I know we're jumping ahead here, but the section where you lose Billy and you're in sole control of Rebecca, at at that point in the game, you know, you've potentially got the shotgun, which, like you say, is two slots, the grenade launcher, which is another two slots. Even right at the end where you're just about to fight the Queen Leech, I don't know about you guys, but I always end up leaving one character there and sending the other one on like a merry quest all the way around the treatment factory, picking up little bits of herbs and, and guns and ammo you know it's just yeah frustrating it is worth saying that the game doesn't expect you to bring absolutely everything with you like it it actually treats every new area and gives you enough there within each new area to get through that section so like if you pick up a box of flame rounds for the grenade launcher the game will sort of almost expect you to use them within that area for whatever boss or enemies are available. It doesn't expect you to carry hordes and hordes of ammunition with you, but that still doesn't make it very easy, especially in a series like this, where we as Resident Evil players of the, you know, the, the ye old camera angle games, we are methodical in terms of how we play, and we don't tend to like leaving items anywhere. I always feel like a strange attachment to the items that you pick up, but yeah. like to know that you've left some in a room somewhere is like, oh god, that's in the back of my mind the whole time now, and I and I struggle to think oh, I've got a fucking box of shotgun shells that I've left in the management training facility upstairs, you know, in a room somewhere. I'm gonna have to go and get it. I'm gonna have to go and get it, you know, before I make my way. I'm gonna have to go because I might need them. And then sure enough, you finish the game with thirty six shotgun shells, and you think, well, I didn't really need that box, did I? But You've been watching my streams of Zero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was like, Sean, that, that was great to listen to because that was like a commentary of my last few days of Zero. Because I did that right at the end because Batman's right. that the, the bit before Rebecca is grabbed by the Eliminator and it kind of goes over, over the board in your split from Billy, you have to be so careful and methodical in thinking what items am I going to leave with Billy, you know, what with Rebecca? Because I think just shortly after that, she comes up against the tyrant battle. And the same with Billy when he's going to rescue Rebecca, you have to be so careful to make sure he's got the right items with him because he faces off a whole bunch of eliminators. But yeah, that's why towards the end, you've got the elevator that takes you all the way back. Oh, we'll be talking about that. Don't you worry. Well, but no, but I use that, my God, because like Sean says, yeah. I went 
all the way back just to get that one, the, the flame rounds. I just, <laughs> I don't know if I'm an obsessive compulsive. I just couldn't bear to leave them behind. No. I never, never needed to use them in the, in the end. But then one thing you do get, and I get this with Code Veronica, if, if you do love your backtracking and you love the environment, you know, backtracking for me is often a highlight. So yes, it's a frustrating game mechanic that causes you to have to go all the way back. But the process of actually going all the way back, I, I does you know, I'm quite happy with. You know, I get to stare at the pre-rendered backdrops again. And sometimes, particularly with Zero, far more than Remake, you do get these respawning zombies, and you, you know, you'll clear a section, and then you'll go back there, and there'll just be a whole load of zombies there again. Yeah. So whilst in the train, we are also introduced to a brand new creature, the Leech Zombie or Mimicry Marcus, as they're officially known. And again, kind of a, a semi-new, we- well, a new, a, a new weapon as well with the Molotov cocktails, which I'm reliably informed that's what they're designed to do. <laughs> so, for people unaware, of course, the, the well, I'm sure you are aware, but the, the the mimicry Marcuses are made up of lots and lots and lots of little leeches that can somehow form a, a image of the elderly James Marcus. And we get the cool cutscene with Rebecca believing that to be a survivor. And she kind of walks up to him and then <gasps> horror. And then, of course, we're very much in prime Matrix mode as well with Billy doing a kind of bullet time, slow motion, you know, shooting, shooting the leeches. But that's fine. I am not a big fan of the leech zombies. I think they are a pain up the arse. I think they use up far too much ammo. I think they use up even with using Molotovs. And on my playthrough, I actually had to use Molotov cocktails, which I didn't like to do. Why? They use up too many. But that's the only thing that you can use to damage them. Just use the Molotovs for the leech zombies, Nick, and nothing else. That's fine. I find throwing a Molotov <laughs> is a waste. You've got to get the timing right. But the whole point that they're in the game is to <laughs> take out the leech zombies. Yeah, but she's got this stupid. They got this stupid throw. It's like they, you know, it's like they're bowling the bloody World Series. <laughs> the wind-up animation is far too long. Takes takes like half an hour just to throw one. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it, and yes. and you will nearly always take some form of damage in return. It, you it... do. My tactic there is there is some logic. What I want to do is trigger the m- switching from Marcus mode, if you want to call it that, Marcus mode. So where they've got the suit and tie on, and then going into leech mode, which is you know where they you know where they're just kind of you can see that they're made up of leeches. I feel that I want to shoot them with conventional weaponry to almost trigger the uh, you know leech mode and then use the Molotov cocktails. You don't need to do anything to trigger them. You just need to walk near them. No, they don't. They need shot. How many Molotovs does it take to kill one? Three. Because I must admit, in 20 years of playing this game, I think I've killed maybe one of them. I just avoid them all the time. Never even try and take them on. I just always run. But I find that harder with two characters. Well, that's why I, I tend to just take one character and leave one in a safe room somewhere. Yeah. Like the room where you've got to use the valve handle, for example. I'll never do that with both characters. I'll just take them through one at a time. Mm. Yeah, same way. And the spiders, the um, the uh, underground passage with the spiders. Again, it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you have to ignore the fact that you're thinking that, again, a gameplay mechanic, you know, that, you know, Sean mentions there, sort of they're thinking about with good heart to try and, you know, change things and, and do new things. But it, it just ends up with you doing the frustrating thing of having to do a, a double journey. You know, Rebecca walks yeah. all the way through uh, and then you have to go back to Billy. It's also, it's not just about keeping that other character safe. It's like the waste ammo. I know you can change the setting, but when you've worked so hard to save three shotgun shells and then 
the NPC character just starts randomly blasting at a wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's very bloody frustrating. It is, it is. Okay, so we've picked up some items and some key cards and we can access... Well, I suppose in, in terms of the playthroughs, the first choice you can say is, who did you send upstairs? Because obviously that'll mean you're, you you have to choose who you want to fight the scorpion. I always tend to lock Rebecca in the kitchen because, like you say, <laughs> she, she's just too, too weak, isn't she? <laughs> Out of context, John, that's, <laughs> that's terrible. I tend to lock my women in the kitchen. <laughs> I owe George Trevor a huge round of thanks because I can do the scorpion with the knife. And there's only two bosses in the entire game I've ever done with a knife. One was out of choice with the, the stalker from Outbreak File 2 because I'd used up all the ammo. Taking on the stinger, George showed me a nice clever tactic where you can just stand by the door and just keep pointing down and it will always hit the weak point of the scorpion and it'll always stagger back and you'll not get hit and it's great. Yeah, I get very annoyed with that because you just think to yourself, were any of the developers game testing this? Because it's just it's just such a... I mean, the, the, as a BOW, its entrance is spectacular. And those FMVs, I mean, you guys will tell me the difference. Not the ones that use the same kind of graphic builds that you get when you're playing the game, but the, um, you know, the other ones. The fully produced, movie-quality FMVs, yeah. They look stunning. And when the Scorpion, you know, mm. its entrance is, is fantastic. But you just think... I, I think that quite a few boss battles let themselves down across the series. More, actually, so in the earlier games. I think the latter games are much better for this, but... Yeah, it's such a shame that it's just literally not even button mashing. It's just repeatedly pressing one button to get through the boss battle. It's such a shame. I don't think a lot of this game was tested, to be honest. Not not to any kind of scrutiny. We get the file, of course, which is supposed to be the kind of precursor, but you quickly realise, and this is true as of the Japanese version as well, so the intention was always that the Type Y139BOW that is specifically referred in that file is a crustacean. I don't care what anyone says, that is supposed to be the stinger. It has to be. because It has to be. It even mentions, I think, as part almost like as a, as a hint to that battle, that it has a weakness in the head, uh, which that one clearly does. Because I think that's the only place that you can you can cause it damage anyways by shooting down at the head. That's all it alludes to, isn't it? But it's, it's not very well explained that it's the, the type 139, you don't see it. It's not very well explained. It's not the stinger. Well, it is. It's not. It's not, but it is. But it's supposed to be. Why would you have a random file about a crustacean? I wanted to ask, other than a translation error, is, is there any other reason, John, you think specifically it can't be that BOW? Well, it says in the in the book, there's like file commentary by the developers with each file. And on the passenger's diary commentary, it says bow type 139 with crustacean base, as mentioned here, does not appear in this game. However, where the head is the designated weak point is also common in the scorpion, which is biologically close to crustaceans. So it's just a hint. Curious. There we go. The defeat of the stinger, of course, leads to the big finale of the train and the dash right to the end to activate the brakes. In the meantime, of course, we would have seen a welcome return of the USS 16, but uh, a, a separate division of it. That was a welcome um, surprise. Yeah, that was nice to see. And also the scenes with William Birkin and Wesker were nice as well. That's one of the benefits of the prequel status of this game. It was able to show us sort of background events happening in real time, which was nice. Yeah. If you're playing it chronologically, it kind of ruins everything. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that we get to see a young Birkin and, and Wesker interacting and great voice actors at that time as well, playing them both. And just the, the, the difference in personalities, you know, the way that, that Wesker's just, you know, so carefree and just blasé 
and and sort of unemotional in in where his allegiances lie and he can just attach himself you know wherever he wants and Birkin's kind of you know in, in burning you know being so passionate about burning down the facilities kind of sort of still stuck kind of you know this obsessive scientist with it with his research no I, I love that scene but again but then you get the downside of why are the leeches overcoming these highly trained agents and 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 yet you know in in the gameplay mechanic obviously they do very little damage to rebecca uh, i assume no one had any issues with with doing the the final the final run to the end it's quite an easy part of the game well i mean it is pretty easy if you remember to take the key card with you nick <laughs> me what no <laughs> You could watch that on our YouTube channel. And you still did it as well, didn't you? That's the amazing thing, I think. I got back to the end, but I ran out of time because I couldn't do the maths at the end. <laughs> to be fair, the game does sort of position the character you're sending to the back near the door. Yeah. And if you don't think, if, some, if something's distracted you as you as the controls resumed, you might not think, oh, I need to get that key card. If you go straight out the door, you probably won't think about it again. Do you guys just run through the train carriages or does anyone go up, go upstairs i tend to go upstairs because there's no enemies up there i sent billy back this time so i didn't get the edward cutscene. yeah I do, I do like to try and encounter edward if i can well you have to you have to encounter him but obviously as rebecca you get the extra scene yeah. Don't you? yeah yeah then it's an interesting position isn't it because by this point you've been traveling on the train for quite a while so you're kind of thinking where, where are we going e even if you kind of play the idea that you haven't traveled particularly far or you know time moves slightly differently in terms of you know officially how long it takes you must be quite a distance away from where bravo team's helicopter landed which only adds to the law issues later in the game but of course we then crash into and george you asked earlier about the official name in the pal version i mean birkin calls it the umbrella research center the urc but I think it's generally known as the Management Training Facility, or uh, there might be a couple of other names. I've always called it the MTF. I, d I don't think it really matters. It just depends how pedantic you want to be. I was going to say, can't we, can't we go back to the days when we can all fall out in a forum about this? <laughs> I think just Management Training Centre is, is fine, really. But yeah, Umbrella Research Centre, I mean, that's even etched onto the bloody carpet in the game and it's still not considered canon. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> and we've crashed in and then you've got all, all your items that you've kind of left are on the floor just to point out very quickly so items that you leave on the train that you don't pick up won't be on the floor so often there'll be things that i don't need to use on the train quite a few of the herbs but i'll pick them up and then drop them oh is that true i didn't know <sighs> yeah. that so if you leave if you don't pick up an item at all it won't be there ah so if you want it spawned after the crash pick it up and then drop it just to be on the safe side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I'll often leave the hook shop there and forget about it. And then I'll be in the church section and think, fuck, I've got to go all the way back down to the basement. I think every, everyone does that. <laughs> There's quite a few zombies in that basement section. So I always tend to have the hook shot still in my inventory. And then I don't have to worry about finding it on the floor when there's like seven zombies around. I always forget to do that. <laughs> climb up the ladder and we're suddenly in basically the main hall and it's resident evil one all over again this is our new hub area the management training facility we're greeted by a lovely portrait of james marcus and we're basically in a in a different mansion with different quests to do different rooms to explore and we'll go through what we have to do i mean i give capcom a lot of credit because they've recycled a lot of ideas over the years so you know on paper you would say revelations to claire captured by horrible organization put on a prison island well we've done that in code veronica we've done that in rev 2 
but the tone of Co Veronica and Revelations 2, despite having a very similar premise, they're worlds apart. And I'm hoping we'll see something different with, like, say, for example, Resident Evil Village's village to compare to Remake 4's village. I hope that there's that different tone. The mansion in Zero has a very, very different tone to that of Remake, and I give Capcom a lot of credit for being able to make that distinction, both from, you know, aesthetically, but also musically, I think is a good term. Zero's soundtrack is often and quite rightly praised, and I think that really helps play a key role in what sets this mansion apart. I have issues with it, but I just wanted to go around you guys just to see what you generally thought of the MTF and, you know, its distinctiveness over over the Spencer mansion. George, you're a big fan of the MTF, I know that. Yeah, just as I was listening to you now, Nick, I was th thinking to myself as someone that just fell in love with Zero very quickly, maybe on a slightly superficial level because it was just so, so similar in terms of, you know, exploring that, that, that mansion because I was quite new to the series when I played Zero. Mm. Why it's different, it's interesting. I mean, the sound design is incredible. I suppose it, it kind of feels more maybe melancholy and sad that comes through the sound design and the files because it's, it, it's very much for me about the tragedy of James Marcus. I feel I'm in danger a lot more from the, the enemies, the, the, well, I was going to say BOWs, you know, secondary infectants that are roaming around. I think the Spence Mansion, ha you know, has a better, st you know, history and, and that comes through in the files that you get in Remake. But where, where it's with Zero, yeah, I just, it's just the atmosphere is, is outstanding. But I think it's very much kind of telling the story of James Marcus and yeah, yeah. Quite repressive, I would say. Batman agreed or different take? Absolutely, yeah. I think if you can get over the contrivance of Umbrella having a, a near identical facility to the mansion in the same forest, it's it's probably one of the best locations in the series for me. Obviously, it's not as memorable as the mansion or the police station, but it's just got such a macabre atmosphere, I think. I mean, the mansion is very unsettling, but I think the atmosphere in this particular environment is second to none. George is absolutely spot on about the sound design. You know, the, the soundtracks, the individual tracks might not be as memorable as some of the other games, but the soundtrack as a whole is just so haunting and very disturbing. And, and there's so much detail in the environments in terms of environmental storytelling in this game. Like you can practically go up to every single picture, every bookshelf, and it'll give you some little description. And it just really evokes a sense of history as to what really went on in this place. Like in Remake and the original game in the mansion, the files tell a lot of the background detail. And, and obviously the same can be said of this game, but I just think visually this game does it so much better. You know, every room you go into, the classroom where there's like dusty old computers or, you know, the dining room with the plates still set out or, you know, the Marcus's office or the meeting room where the fire's been lit. And it's just incredible. And I don't get bored, like George said, of coming back to these locations and backtracking and just scrutinizing the detail. I know it's probably a controversial thing to say, but I think the atmosphere when you're walking around the training facility exceeds anything that's found in the remake for me. Stars, different take at all? My heart will always be in, you know, with the mansion, the, the, the main mansion, although OG mansion, less, less the remake one. But the actual management training facility feels much more like a lived-in, real-world location. I mean, I know, like, the, the Spencer mansion is mainly a front for the lab, but this just feels much more functional. It feels like you can appreciate the history within it, if you know what I mean. It, it feels more like a facility that has been used and abused, and you can see the passage of time in it a lot more, I think. It just lends itself well to the fact that this game just 
just has quite simply staggering production values. I mean, I'd actually go on record to say that the HD version is genuinely, putting aside how the game is constructed and made, I would say on a purely aesthetic level, you take any single image of that game and it's one of the best looking games of all time. And I think no location exemplifies that more than the management training facility. Yeah. It's a mixture for me. It's very gothic. Macabre is an excellent term to describe it. It feels like there is something very wrong. And for me, that invokes the feeling of the original Spencer Mansion from the first game, because that's so bloomin' bright. And the the choice of like wallpapers in the original mansion, you kind of go in there, you've got that uneasy feeling going, something's not right in this place. And it's quite hard to pinpoint what it is. And I think the MTF has that, but totally in the completely opposite direction. So there's something quite right, not right about this. And that's because there's things like the, you know, the armor, you know, blocking some doors. And then I like the ongoing exploration into the, into the basement and, you know, the torture devices and things like that. It feels very different to the Spence match and that's good. And there's some bits I find a bit weird, like the observatory. I don't know why there would be one. I'm not sure it quite works in places. No, I would agree with that. This is the thing, you can get away with it in some games. So like the Spencer Mansion, as an actual mansion, it completely fails on many levels. And we all talk about, you know, the lack of bathrooms. I just don't see how it could actually function. Mm. But that's the whole point. It's a front, whereas this isn't a front. And, you know, this is supposed to be a, a proper training facility. And yes, it's got little bits here and there. But I struggle with the idea that some, you know, major corridors are blocked off by suits of armor and i don't understand why that 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 would exist Mm. and to me it it feels a little video gamey it feels a bit video gamey well of course you know that's a stupid comment but you know what i mean yeah because with remake you've got the premise that these these are booby traps and these are things that spencer set in the way yeah hide things from george trevor or were there george trevor knew about because they were there to 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 hide things for spencer but you don't have that premise do you with zero i will say from a gameplay point of view one thing i did find this particular playthrough and this all links in with the you know having to drop items the lack of item boxes and things like that most games most early resident evil games when you become well rehearsed with them if you like you get like a sense of progression that comes almost naturally whether it's certain routes around the rpd or the spencer mansion you kind of know subconsciously like if i go via the east wing of the mansion i can grab this item this item this item then i come back round on myself and i'm back in the main hall and i can cross over this way and i can drop these items off and with zero the management training facility from a gameplay point of view just becomes like this massive fetch quest where you just have to go to a series of ever-increasing dead ends to just bring items back to a central location. And I know Resident Evil games have always done that with the crests and the the chess keys and things, but with Zero, there's so many of these, you have to send a character this way and you get one piece of one of the statues and you have to bring it back and then you have to go off in a complete other direction and do the same thing and then bring it back. There's the lack of that sense of flow, if you know what I mean. Mm. The management training facility is a gameplay experience, always feels a bit stunted. A series of stop-starts until you get all the items assembled, if you know what I mean. Whereas there's always felt like a natural flow to the previous games where you go, oh, I've got this item on the way. And while I'm going here, I've picked up this one as well. And then before you know it, I've got three of my themed keys that I need to unlock the next section of the game. Whereas this just feels 
I think there's a lack of flow in this game is the only way I can describe it. I feel the slight frustration and lack of immersion that comes from that in sort of the last half hour of this game for that very point that it, it almost feels slightly repetitive that you have that mechanic of, of, of these repetitive, you know, that Billy has to go and get that so Rebecca can go can then go there maybe that's because in in the uh sort of the first couple of or first few hours it's just the sound design and and, and batman mentions just all the history behind the files and the environmental descriptions that we get and i think what helps with 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 remakes that avoids that maybe as well is you get these quite iconic characters you know later on you know the development of of, of the lisa trevor encounters or you know finding out more about the betrayal between wesker and of barry and of, of stars you know you get that character development which you, you, we mentioned early on you just don't get that development or, or any sort of narrative between Billy and Rebecca. All you do get is sort of Billy's side story about, you know, his war story that I've never really enjoyed because it's taking it completely outside of the Resident Evil universe. That's a very, very long scene, you know, a particularly long cutscene. I much would have rather have had, you know, a, a historic cutscene looking back at what, you know, between Marcus and Spencer, for example. So, yeah, I think there's very much a lack of that in the latter stages of this game. You almost get a cameo by a tyrant, don't you? But it's really just James Marcus and, and, and the leech that that plays that role and there's i think distinct lack of of sort of characters and and character development in the latter stages that means that you're really just having thrown in your face these, these fetch quests and that's kind of all the game then becomes in the latter stages yeah it really does slow down when you get to the training facility i mean i don't necessarily have a problem with the locked doors because it would make sense to me that a facility of this nature would have restricted areas and if you think of the doors where those those suits of armor are you know they're blocking off the observatory which leads to the church lab the blocking off the main entrance and the block off the corridor which leads to marcus's private office so there's going to be some areas where you know you would imagine the students wouldn't be allowed to go so that particular aspect didn't bother me so much let's talk about then the the, the, the routes that we did take so upon entering i mean i go straight to the crow room i don't know about anyone else and get that over and done with. I tend to, this is the only time I take both characters with me, but I tend to do a loop of the east wing. I'll go through the dining room into the sort of storage room where you get the shotgun, then around the terrace and into the lecture theater, then open the doors back into the main hall and then get the crank from the crow room and go up to where the play crawlers are. I tend to do that little loop and pick up whatever items I need and then drop them in the main hall. Yeah, so does everyone abandon the hunting gun as soon as you pick up the main shotgun, or do you bring both? I don't even bring the hunting gun. Um, I, I, I literally use the two shells already in it, and then I'll drop it, because in hard mode, you can't afford to reload that hunting gun. You really need to preserve any ammo you can get. It was funny before when you were saying about the items you don't necessarily need on the train. In hard mode, trust me, you need every single item you can find. <laughs> I used to do exactly the same thing. Actually, I used to just use the two uh, on the Scorpion just to get rid of a few, you know, constant knife jabs and then never look back. But I think, was it Nick? Someone told me, I didn't realise that actually the hunting gun is more powerful. Is that true? I think it is. No, I, yeah. Think, yeah, I, I, I remember that. But of course, it's only two, two ammo. Mm. I've got a feeling you're right. I'll just say a point uh, there. How good is it to see, and this helps with the story, and you know, you'd have seen the, the USS team say, you know, and the reclamation project, you'd have seen the files as well. Zombie USS members, because you don't get any, I don't think in RE2. You just, yeah, you just see the bodies, I think. You just see the body, yeah. In Remake 2, I think you get a couple of USS zombies. I think there's one at the very start, isn't there? When you first take control of the character. But yeah, in, uh, that was one of the nice things about this game. I suppose when you play Resident Evil 1, the T-Virus leak is like two months old. So it's been quite a while since everyone was dead. Whereas 
in zero, it's quite recent because the investigation teams were only there like 24 hours beforehand. So it's nice to see, as you say, the USS zombies walking around and going back to the environmental storytelling. It's really nice when you go in certain rooms and it'll say, oh, this bookshelf was, was searched very recently or this fire was lit only a short time ago. You know, this computer was activated only a few hours ago. Mm. You know, stuff like that really adds to the imagination and the atmosphere. There's also the, I don't know, because you've got to go get the microfilm, haven't you, down on the West Wing. Does people do that bit first or do you leave that? Because there is a an annoying leech zombie in there. You have to get the fire key, don't you? So you can open the kitchen and get the lighter fuel because you need to access that back room in the library don't you oh sorry the micro image is actually outside that door isn't it it's one of the angel wings that's in the the door what you need the to light the candle for hmm. don't both playthroughs i did such long gaps between them i got to that point on both times where the hell do i need to go this is a bit later on but where do i need to go because i do not see the blabine oil lamp in the library to light the, that door <laughs> half an hour and it's it's stupid because i was doing it and i was going i'm sure what have i forgotten i was running around i was running around and i was checking old playthroughs as well and i did exactly the same thing and i was like where, where am i going and i was going on my tube on, on my stream going chat anyone can help and uh, i think mr spencer piped up eventually it was like oh there's a room you've got to put a lighter on and honestly i every time i forget i forget that room and it drives me utterly insane <laughs> with regard to the microfilm room as long as you go there when you've got both of them collected um you negate having to unless you need to go back and get materials like the bottles from the bathroom you don't need to go down that corridor again so as long as you do the microfilm puzzle that's mm. a one and done but on normal mode you would never need to go back it's only probably on hard mode if you're resource gathering you'd potentially have to fight that leech zombie or dodge it. One cool thing I noticed about that particular room, because I, I know Sean will hate this, but I played on the 16x9 camera, so you can <laughs> you can see the details a bit more, because you're slightly zoomed in, and it, on the table, they've actually got the Raccoon City map. That's in the archives book. That is neat. Nice. Yeah. Well, me and Stars never would have seen that, but I just think it's so <laughs> out of order that we get punished in that way. Bloody hell. That's so cool. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, but think about how much real estate we get at the top and bottom of the, of the, of the game <laughs> over the entire game's duration. It's fine. There is some bad moments with the zoomed-in camera, though. The The worst part is when you have to switch the light off to get the, the needle out of the deer, you know, the deer's eye. And when you switch the light off in the 16 by 9 camera, the deer's head is completely cut off from the picture. So you can't see it flashing in the dark at all. It's terrible. <laughs> I must say, I like the inverted nature of that puzzle as well. Yeah. Because um, I just tried pushing the block, just pushing the box straight there um, without switching the light on. And it said it's too dark to see anything. And I thought, yeah, bastard. The track in that room, it's used a few times that starts with the piano is, is, is wonderful. It's amazing. Play crawlers, ladies and gentlemen, a good addition to the game or just an annoyance? As, as long as you're patient and wait for them to get close, the shotgun negates any difficulty from them. I like the noise they make. Yeah, that's quite unsettling. You can't see them sometimes, but you can hear them. Yes. A little sort of scampering sound the make i must say like you know obviously we talk about the play crawlers here and you mentioned the uh, crow room nick mm. i must say this game's all this game's attempted jump scares fall completely flat for me and they provoke no reaction whatsoever so like the play crawlers jumping down suddenly like it, it, you know whereas even playing the original re2 if i've forgotten 
a certain like liquor encounter or a, you know Mr X bursting through a wall moment it, it still can make me sometimes go Ooh. whereas Zero just completely falls flat I don't find any sense of fear or scares from this game at all to say it's a horror game a survival horror game I don't, I don't, even though the atmosphere is sound and it creates that unsettling feeling in terms of actually like being scared I, I don't think there's anything in this I do wonder if it's a bigger criticism of the game in that when it came out that a lot of the monsters are just bigger versions of bugs and creatures there's no, there's not a lot of horror element I mean from a law point of view that kind of makes sense doesn't it that these are just secondary infectants you know the the, the flora and the fauna around that you know the outbreak is, is this is how it's going to be affected I mean I definitely take Sean's point because He's right. I felt sort of disappointed, but in agreement that, yeah, because I was trying to think of jump scares in this game and, and I didn't almost even consider that as a jump scare when the fact, you know, you're expecting it all the time. So you're just waiting to get the timing right with the shotgun. But I think that for me, but it does, for me, it feels like a horror game. It, it, that comes across for me just in terms of the the environments and, and the sound design and, and the narrative and, you know, the, the tension and the drama from, from the enemies that you're avoiding and, and and all of that and all the mechanics you get with survival horror. But Sean's absolutely right. In terms of sort of jump scares and, yeah, I'm trying to think of any others that even attempted ones. Leech zombies get me a few times. There's a couple of nasty camera angles later in the game. But the whole point, the whole point in the early point, your fetch quest is to try and locate the fire key because as you explore, you'll find lots of red doors which are locked. So you're looking for that. You're looking for the statue balancing trick, if you like, trying to find all the bits for the statue. And you you can just kind of end up, all roads lead to the Centurion the the centipede which is your first boss within the mtf but the second boss in the game and again you're forced to rely on dual mechanics mm. yeah and you know one person doing the winding of the crank and the pushing of the boxes and then rebecca gets captured and it's, all... uh, it's, it's not a memorable <laughs> boss i mean i suppose it's similar a bit to yawn isn't it i mean a long no. a long thin it's nonsense so basically, if you know where to stand and it's somewhere near the stairs, you yeah. stand in the same place, you don't move, you auto-aim and just shoot till it dies. Yeah. Because the problem with the Centurion is it goes around a preset path and does not divert from it at all. So as long as you know that and you know where to stand and you've got enough pistol ammo, just stand there and shoot and just don't stop until it dies. Does it even kill Rebecca? It will do in time, but if you've got enough pistol ammo, you'll, you will kill it faster than it will be able to do that as long as you just keep keep the damage going. Mm. It's nonsense. It's, this is what I mean. When I say that, I don't think the game was tested over much in a QA environment because the fact that this boss essentially has no AI, it's just literally going around yeah. a preset circuit. Is just it, When you know that, you will never unsee it ever and you negate it to me it's not even an encounter it's just literally holding down r1 and pressing shoot for a minute and that's yeah. it it's the same we're, we're two bow's in and, and it's the same for both of them you know it's, it's a huge disappointment i didn't know this actually I'm, I'm gonna have to try and locate this mythical place so basically it's just near the stairs so you know where the stairs that you come into the main chamber are you know otherwise you go down the stairs into the main hall it just stands somewhere near the top of the stairs. And as the Centurion comes toward Billy, it will divert and turn just as it gets to him. So, it, it's, yeah, you, you don't even have to move, honestly. Oh, really? Oh, okay. 
<laughs> because in my playthrough, it absolutely destroyed my health, and I've, I never <laughs> ever recovered. <laughs> oh my god! What are you? What are you actually doing? I don't know. What I mean. <laughs> Bear in mind, I mean, we've not got there yet, and it wasn't on this particular playthrough, but Nick is probably the only person out of the entire human history that has got killed with a chess puzzle. Because <laughs> <laughs> he did it wrong, and then wasn't able to get out of the room in time before the gas killed him. How are you, how are you alive? <laughs> it's, just straight, it's just straight out the door behind you. Nick knows, oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> but I never recovered from the Centurion fight. The, la- the the amount of health I squandered. I was therefore living off. I need some more health. Were you like running into it, trying to headbutt it or something? <laughs> I'm so pissed off that Twitch deletes its videos after. I would love to see that. No, this is this this is a private playthrough. I think so. No one saw that one. You weren't th- throwing your Molotovs at it, were you? <laughs> <laughs> and the chess pieces. No, the thing is, he did, but it's, the wind-up takes so long that the Molotovs just sail past it. Oh, Nick. For the benefit of our entire audience, live stream every single attempt of your Resident Evil experiences from now on. Oh, I'll try. I'll try. I'm sure I'll get round to it. I said, I'm determined now to find this, play, this, this you know, use a stair tactic. Uh, that will help enormously. Once the bug is defeated, you can pick up the fire key and that opens up a few more rooms. Then I feel the game kind of then gets going a bit in the MTFU. Suddenly everything kind of speeds up and you're then going on the quest, of course, to get the obedience discipline and the unity tablets, which you place next door in the observatory, whilst also trying to finish off with the statues as well. So you're kind of rushing around there and that leads to the basement part and that itself is a whole different world of pain if, if you thought you were having problems with plague crawlers brace yourself ladies and gentlemen for the introduction of the eliminators george you have a very <laughs> special relationship with the eliminators i don't understand why it's so controversial i just <laughs> that first of all i think there's a particular cutscene where from a certain angle they're almost the same size as rebecca and it just looks fantastic in the game they come across a lot smaller but just the ferocity with which they launch themselves at you and the fact that you know we have very iconic enemies like the liquor in resident evil 2 which to be frank you only have to point the shotgun down twice you know it's, it's a very anticlimactic experience for me with the liquor in 2 blast it twice with the shotgun and that's it it's a shame i want it to be far more of, of a danger and that's what the eliminators are i i know we all love our hunters and yeah, it's wonderful listening to that clicking sound when you're hiding behind a corner of a corridor. But the fear for me from the Eliminators, it, it comes just from their ferocity and how much damage it takes to put them down. I think they're fantastic. And they would they, they would kick a hunter's ass, man. <laughs> well, here's a, here's a top tip for everybody. When you've boosted Rebecca and she's about to activate the trips or whatever to get the electricity going again, before you do that puzzle... Send Billy back to the main hall and he doesn't have to fight any eliminators on the way out. Then when you get down into the basement as Billy, just make just make a beeline straight for the door and you don't have to fight any because they will all miss you on your way to rescue Rebecca. By moving Billy to the, the main hall and then doing the puzzle means you don't fight the ones on the way out of the torture chambers, which saves ammunition. And then, like I say, when you get down to the basement, as soon as you're into the the, the room where the animal puzzle is, Unequip the shotgun because Billy runs faster without it, and just make a beeline. 
straight for the room and they will miss you every time if you if you if you're if your running is true and then when you then come out after the big cut scene of you know the africa cut scene and that as long as you just stand in the same place they will just come around the corner and you can just shoot them without even having to move i hate you i tend to do that but i must admit i've, I've never thought about moving Billy before activating the cutscene with Rebecca. That's quite a good idea. But then that room that unlocks in the basement, that sort of monitor room has quite a lot of ammo in it. Yeah, they're not foolproof, certainly for hard mode, some of these tactics. But for easy and normal, you can negate entire sections. I hate you, Sean. I hate you. (laughs) Do you know how many times I had to watch or skip that bloody scene doing that blasted puzzle? And then, I mean, it's not a difficult puzzle, once you know. And then going through it and the eliminators. Bear in mind, I was already on like orange caution from the Centurion fight and I had like no health. <laughs> this was a death by many, many times by the eliminators. I think it was the 10th attempt. <laughs> this is this is absolutely beautiful, Nick. Thank you. 10th <laughs> attempt. The good news was that I had, I had the fortune to save in that little room beforehand, but my God, 10 attempts before I did it. And there's you just saying, well, why don't you just move Billy to the main hall before it? You fucking bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just got to think outside the box, Nick. Come on. <sighs> Where's the interactive entertainment enthusiast in within you to think like this? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm biting my tongue. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> this is the thing about them, guys. The fact that, look, there is something slightly methodic about the hunters in the way that they approach you quite slowly. And if you've got enough time and you know that they're coming and you've got the right ammunition, the hunters actually, you know, it's kind of, it's almost like kind of, you know, over the years, the legend has become more of a myth. The eliminators, they really do throw themselves at you. One thing I will say, one quick bit of advice, not quite as good as stars, but, and this advice also extends to Plant 42, don't try and come at the Eliminators with uh, the grenade launcher because it will just sail over their heads. Before we come to Batman for his take, what's interesting, your comparison between the Eliminators and Hunters, of course you can do a quite quick comparison because the Hunters are relatively nearby when you enter into the testing room. I think that's what it's described as. And I noted in that room that there were acid rounds. And I thought, I wonder if the game is telling me that I can use acid rounds against the Hunters. And lo and behold, it worked really well. And I was able to take out the Hunters without getting a scrap comparatively to the eliminators which absolutely destroyed me so i approve of your comment george that the eliminators are quite destructive compared to the hunters <laughs> batman over to you what was your kind of experience of the downstairs part and also you can lead on to the puzzle as well you know quite, quite a cool puzzle i think yeah the basement was quite uneventful for me i don't really have a problem with the eliminators i must be honest even in hard mode and coming back to this game after a couple of years i was surprised how little they are in the game i think once rebecca triggers the cutscene, i just run with billy all the way through to where you get rebecca and i have very little problem with the eliminators at all and i use sean's trick once the cutscene's played and you come out the door i just stand there with both characters and, and fire my pistol and, and they just all come at you until they're all dead so uh, yeah quite uneventful for me overall nick's currently just seething he's just gripping the table of wherever he sat just squeezing so hard i'm struggling to comprehend how you how you died 10 <laughs> times I can't even fathom how that's even possible. I think if I stopped playing and went to have a a cup of tea and come back, I think I'd still only be on caution. Would it help you if I told you that on the first three attempts, I went into where Rebecca fell down to try and grab her? Oh, right, into the the actual room. Into the actual room. (laughs) 
yeah. that, that did not go well. Yeah, I think we've all done that first time round. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't find the Eliminators a problem. But then again, maybe it's because I tend to play on hard mode. And because ammo is so scarce, I tend to run past more enemies. I only kill what I really have to. And I don't think any of the Eliminators really get in your way too much. Once you've taken out the ones in the animal puzzle room, yeah, they are pretty much negated for the rest of the game, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No real issue in the basement for me. I like the concept of that basement. Obviously, it was a hidden torture room where Marcus did his experiments. The Correctional Institute inmates file always interested me because it never really made much sense. Because I, I always thought Marcus's experiments were on humans were his little secret. But when you read that file, it says about how some of them were transferred to like Arkley Labs and other places. Mm. So that was a file that always seemed to quite puzzle me. I think it simply means that human experiments were internally recognized at Umbrella, but because Marcus was using executive candidates, you know, the cream of the crop for Umbrella's next generation of leaders, I think that was what was pissing Spencer off, so to speak. But yeah, the animal puzzle in the basement, uh, really good puzzle, I think. Uh, really enjoyed that, and I managed to do it off memory this time, which I was really pleased with. I think we had that as a quiz question once, didn't we? Cracking little puzzle, that one. Really old school. I think that's one of the series' best ever puzzles, actually. Yeah. It makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah, I was just going to add to that. that it's, it's one of those kind of, for me, it speaks to exactly the type of puzzles that I used to love about the old games. And just for me, it's really sorely lacking. I just don't, don't know why we can't get more, more of those things. I know Village maybe touched upon things like that, but I'd just love to see more of those sorts of puzzles in the recent games. For me, the animal food chain puzzle made up for the lack of the Cradle to the Grave puzzle in Remake, which was mm. sort of previously one of my favourite ones of this of the series. Yeah. It's very similar in terms of idea, isn't it, this one? My only issue with the basement section was the battle zone thing where you're locked in with a couple of hunters. I just thought that was a bit unnecessary, and I don't really understand why hunters have to be in this game. Mm, I agree. You know, from a narrative point of view, it makes no sense. And it's just, it, it just felt like they were in there for the sake of it rather than yeah. them actually serving any purpose. And arguably they they mess up some issues later in the marshalling yard, I would suggest. In that little armory though, I don't know what it's like in other modes, but in hard mode, in one of the cupboards, there's one magnum round. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's always one magnum round. And despite it being such a pain in the ass with uh, inventory slots and space saving, that one magnum round is vitally important in hard mode. I went back for it. <laughs> I, like you said earlier, Sean, I couldn't leave it. I, I did leave yeah. it, but I, I, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it for the MTF, really. Well, uh, yeah, you, you're collecting your three stone tablets now, aren't you? You get the water key, which opens the last sort of area inside the training facility which for me is probably one of the most dangerous areas in the game because there is a few leech zombies in there and you have to go in with both characters because you need billy to play the piano okay if rebecca plays it you get a trophy i didn't think she could she can play it not very well oh, right. does it, but the puzzle doesn't work does it no no oh right, okay you didn't uh you weren't getting killed playing the piano did you nick <laughs> No, throwing molotovs at it. Oh well, yes, of course we've got the chess puzzle just just for your own uh, your own uh, en enjoyment. I did it properly this time. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. A, a puzzle so fiendish it tells you the answer. <laughs> there is a nice little lauded bit with that chess puzzle, so you're not alone here, Nick, because obviously. <laughs> Thanks, John. In some of the files, Marcus talks about students like interfering <laughs> with security devices is set and garden his, his offices and things. And in the book, the Kaita Shinto book mentions that one of the students snooping in his office accidentally moved the chess puzzle and was killed, which I thought was a nice little tidbit. You see, I, I go so deep. 
into the law. I'm I'm, repli- I'm replicating what the Japanese developers were thinking when creating backstories to their puzzle pieces. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, any other highlights from that part of the game? I said I got the that's where I got a jump scare, a real big jump scare with the, with the uh, a random leech zombie just suddenly appearing from from a camera angle, which which worked very very well for me. But that that was that was probably it. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like you know playthrough variation between ourselves, there's not actually any deviation that we can take individually. You know what I mean? Like there's no hookshot choices you've got to make at this point or anything no. like that. So we all you know we might have picked up the items and whatnot in different orders and things, but we all ultimately achieve the same goals and in terms of this discussion happy birthday discussion yeah we kind of just would have put the tablets in and uh, in my case i had to do the legendary gamecube disc swap here when the observatory drops in the water you did yes uh, a much more suitable place for it to be unlike remake one which is <laughs> pretty much at the end and metal gear solid twin snakes also following suit yeah but it's a good it's a good it's a good place to to swap over as you head outside and george do you want to talk us through you i think you mentioned before we started one of your favorite kind of moments as you head towards the church yeah i mean just stars reminded me you know just very quickly just going back i mean when the GameCube sung, I mean, to me, it kind of outshone the PlayStation, that uh, you know, the equivalent of what they were both doing at the same time. You know, we were really starved of, of adult content games, and I missed out on so many great games not having a PlayStation. But when the GameCube sung, you know, it was just, this game was incredible. And I just love the, I think I got it for the first time with Code Veronica, but I love the feeling when you open and you see the two discs and you think, wow. You know, this is this is a mammoth game, and yeah, when you change over and you get that that little journey to the church, that track that plays again, that piano that you hear, I, I mean, it just to me, it's sort of reminiscent of of the marshalling yard and some of those tracks we get when we're exploring the streets of Raccoon City. It's amazing, and wow, and you're just walking across and the, and the bats in, in the sky, yeah, it's just incredible. It, it's just so immersive but that's short-lived isn't it because <laughs> what are you talking about we've got a genuine series highlight coming up oh, i mean why do i love this game so much when you know you think about the boss battles uh, it's at this stage i think fuck i haven't got the hook shot <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes i have to go all the way back and get it but then it, it could have been so great and again where was the playtesting because oh my god that fucking auto aim on on the individual bats i mean that, i don't know if there's some kind of strategy to avoid it i i think i found using actually in the end i just resorted to using the pistol and just to get rid of a few of them and then just then go at the larger one with with the grenade launcher but it seems to me it's almost hit or miss whether i can get a, a few good you know chances you know good hits with the with the grenade launcher over the years this fight has frustrated me no end because like you say the auto aim is completely broken so in the end i actually watched resident evil speed run a no damage uh, carcinogen and uh, i watched his no damage run on zero to see how he did the bat boss and he's got a very good tactic which i was able to actually utilize and it works where you load up the grenade launcher with flame rounds and you have to wait for a very specific sort of moment where... What is the bat boss's name, by the way? Infected Bat. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was giving a cool name. Then you have to wait for Infected Bat to come near you. And if you get your aim just right, you can literally pummel it. And it stun locks with the grenade launcher. And you can kill it in five rounds flat. Oh, wow. It doesn't even move. And this, and then you, you negate the smaller bats even arriving because it dies too quickly. Wow. It is tricky. It is tricky, but it's well worth a watch. Yeah. Anyone who's curious, just check out, yeah, Carcinogen on uh, YouTube. Just watch his Resident Evil Zero no damage run. It, it will stun lock the bat and you can fire the grenade launcher fast enough 
to get all five rounds in before it will move, and then it just drops dead. Yeah, I've got to see that. Yeah, I think this is a this is a broken boss fight. It it is totally broken. Yeah, no no testing was done in this game. It just you just get you just end up taking out all these little bats, and it, it just gets so annoyed, and you can't. And this is where camera angles really hindered your progress i i think the series generally has been very good at using camera angles effectively even in all sorts of boss battles even like where you can't see say the tyrant coming towards you in re1 it doesn't matter because the angle works well for where whatever way you're running this one because of the auto aim because of the angle you can't see where it's kind of flying around and you know you don't can't see what you're aiming at as well and it, by this time i'd switch to easy mode and uh, <laughs> given up i'd started again <laughs> on my playthrough Nick, <laughs> uh, so I completely did the did the rest on easy. I I was dead, Sean, dead. I had no out of health. A- any first aid spray I found was used instantaneously. So I was, I was living from herb to herb. Oh, but anyway, John, how did you find this fight? Yeah, it's the worst boss fight in the series for me. I I literally just stand and in the same spot every time and just hit and hope basically and sometimes it goes well and other times it ends in disaster but fortunately for me this time round I managed to get a few lucky shots early on before the little bats started swarming and I managed to kill it without too many issues but yeah never liked that boss fight I tend to have my first save right before this boss fight every single time yeah that's exactly what I do because I, I try and do a one save run and that's yeah that's where I always will have to save. Mm. I think the saving grace of the boss fight and the kind of church area is that it does open up quite a nice area thereafter. And I, I do like exploring, you know, reading all the more Marcus's diaries and really cool kind of little laboratory type scenario. Yeah, I, I enjoy this because up to this point, we've got just so much kind of ridiculous and preposterous sort of elements and plot points into the story and and it feels particularly disappointing when you know we were promised you know that because you know, there's such a rich history that that is kind of alluded to when you're exploring the spencer mansion and and, and the thought that we might get this or even you know seeing the, the bravo team showcased so what i enjoy about this area because it's just after this area where i start to find the game a bit tedious with the fetch quests but leading up to that I, this is a highlight because you're right you really get that personal insight into james marcus his research and i think there, there's a little section where you find a photograph of his graduation mm. and again the track that's playing in in that room is, is kind of quite quite a sad but it's a haunting uh, feeling to it and yeah that, that is a real highlight for me in this section that you, that you get that kind of that law about the you know about the leeches yeah, maybe the game mechanic in itself is a bit ridiculous but I love reading about the motivations behind that and, and his feelings on Spencer and yeah yeah I would agree it's uh, the church is a, a really good area again you've got to be careful because you've got to separate the characters and I sent Billy upstairs for the first time ever I've never done that before and because I was suddenly out of my comfort zone I just had a complete panic attack because I couldn't find, I wasn't really thinking and I sent Billy up with the hookshot without really any proper weapons. And I know you've got the dumbwaiter, but you can't put things like the shotgun or the grenade launcher in the dumbwaiter. And I was conscious that he can't mix the chemicals and I couldn't for the life of me think where the red chemical cylinder was. So I was running around for like 20 minutes and in the first computer room where you have to get the leech capsule from the fridge, I sort of got stuck in that corridor with the leech zombie. 
and I didn't have enough inventory slots to pick up the leech, so I had to drop some ammo, and I very nearly suffered my first death in that room. And it's uh, you've got that other dangerous room in there, the breeding room, I think it's called, where the hunters come out in the cage, where you've got to get the little dial to put the combination in to get to the tram. So I, I had a couple of hairy moments in uh, in that particular section, but yeah, in terms of environment and atmosphere, it's it's really good, and I'm pretty sure what was what was James Marcus's daughter called in that appalling Netflix series? Evelyn. I'm pretty sure she exists because the writer misinterpreted what one of the files said in this particular section of the game about Marcus's children. <laughs> Obviously, the game was talking about the leeches, but yeah. this, this, uh, the writer, whatever his name is, I forget now, obviously interpreted differently. Because there's an another file that clearly states Marcus has no family, he has no kids, but he, uh, he obviously never found that on his playthrough. Yeah, I seem to remember he says something like, if you know, hardcore Resident Evil fans know their know their law. They'll know there is a direct reference to Marcus having children or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so this this area actually has a, a very cool little choice, as, as John just alluded to there. I'd never actually, across the last 20 years, I had never sent Billy upstairs. And and the reason why I knew that was because I knew there was a cutscene when you go into Marcus's office with the fish tank, which is the best location in the entire game. And it's the only room that has a unique track assigned to it, a music track. Beautiful little piano piece. And... You pick up the you know the book and you see the photo of young Marcus and I realised I'd never actually had the moment where Rebecca muses on on who it is. So all these years later, I'd never done it this way around before, um, which was just a, a cool little thing I think. And, you know, and, and I think John was the same. You know, all these years, and we'd never thought of doing it this way around. And it's just remarkable that on this particular playthrough, we both did it. So yeah, it was the first time I'd done it as well. And as I said, I, because of the chemical mixing problem, I was completely out of my comfort zone and I, I just sort of panicked and that nearly resulted in me dying several times. Right, so as you're kind of exploring the laboratory, the aim, of course, is to get out, really, quite frankly, isn't it? And you quickly locate the cable car, but it's not, you can't activate it at that point in time. The idea being that you're going to go somewhere else You've got an interesting scene where Billy's on the edge looking over and then randomly an eliminator jumps at him and sends him toppling down the waterfall, which is amusing. And so you're on your own at that point. So whatever Billy's holding, you can't then use. So make sure you've got what you need, put it that way. Yeah, it's like I mentioned earlier, if you forget to organise your inventory, all of a sudden you've got eight inventory slots and you might have the shotgun and the grenade launcher, so that's four taken up already. And obviously there's the magnum on the, uh, the tram, so that's five. And you presumably have still got your pistol at that point, so that's six. You're being generous there, John, because each character only gets six in this. Oh, well, there you go, then. Six inventory slots, yeah. So it's a frustrating part of the game. but And it's also where it really fractures with its relationship with Remake as well, because this is meant to be a prequel to Remake. And Remake's obviously quite a contained story set in a singular location and mm. up until this point zero has been quite restrained and then all of a sudden rebecca goes on a solo adventure through the outskirts of raccoon city and the lab from resident evil 2 and this massive underground treatment center and it's just when you compare to what she goes on to do in remake it just feels so disjointed and fractured 
just everything about from from this point on everything about the game just feels like it's just been hastily assembled together yeah. with no real thought or care like why is there just a random eliminator just one random eliminator completely out of place why is rebecca one of the only characters in the in the series to take actual damage in cutscenes from eliminators and not be infected you know we've talked about this at length before but yeah and and then this merry jordan that she goes on is just at complete odds with the rest of the game. The cutscene that they shoehorn in, which I assume was an 11th hour edition just to address the fact that this is supposed to be Bravo Team's mission, with Enrico turning up in the RE2 lab. Oh, it, you know, like, like, what's he been doing coming out of the master elevator? <laughs> it, I know. He's miles just... away from anywhere. And all he does is just sort of casually say, whoa, 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 the mansion, if we, if we just... He, he points in a random direction, bearing in mind they're underground. And says, if we go this way, we should come up to the mansion. It's just, what is going on with this story? Don't shoot! You're alive. Are you okay, Rebecca? Where is everybody? They should have arrived here before me. Haven't you seen them? That's unfortunate. If we go straight from here, we should arrive at an old mansion which Umbrella uses for research. Come on, let's go. Wait, I've got to find Billy. Billy Cohen? You mean you found that criminal? Yes, but we got separated and... No point worrying about him. He won't make it. Come on, let's go. Sir, please. I need to find him. Don't worry, I'll catch up with you. Rebecca... All right, just be careful. I never saw him again. Yeah, because you, you almost sort of completely forget about Bravo Team at that point. Because I remember the very first time I played this game, I thought, who the fuck is coming down this elevator? And Enrico was like the last person I was expecting to see. It's just utterly bizarre. This is a, a very strange moment, actually. And the series never does this, usually. But when Enrico leaves... You actually get a voiceover from Rebecca where she says, and I never saw him again. And that implies the entire events of Zero are now being told to us from another point in time, not actually when the game is set. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point. I hate this area, but I love it. I, I love it. I love it at the same time because obviously it's the marshalling yard, which is an absolute classic location. The amount of hours that are dedicated to this whole section of the game in the fandom, <laughs> it is one of extreme... Well, it's become an urban legend, doesn't it? Oh. It used to give me anxiety trying to get my head around this being discussed in the forums. Even if you factor in that, that there's no issues, you have travelled, but by virtue of the game's own geography, the MTF is seven miles away from the city, I think, or something like that. Yeah, northeast, seven miles northeast or something from Raccoon City. So you would have travelled a long way on that SkyTram a long, long way. Bear in mind, Billy's fallen all the way down it. Mm. So he, he's had a nice little, you know, water slide. And you, you end up here. And if you look at, like, the, the archive books, there is no artwork at all for the marshalling yard. And I, I distinctly believe that that sky tram should have just gone to the water treatment plant. Mm. somewhere in the you know the outskirts of the city wherever somewhere in the forest and that and that would have been perfectly fine then you could have had enrico turn up at that point going oh i've just i was just wandering around the forest and i found this 
Instead, you've got an RE2 reference shoehorned in. You've got a situation where this is a fully active and, you know, not infected, I will add, not infected laboratory of Umbrella that we've just seen Wesker and Birkin have a quick chat about with Wesker going, oh, you know, the time has come for me to take down stars, whatever. You know, off he goes. He goes up. He goes up on the master elevator if you look on the cutscene. And then suddenly got Enrico coming back down off it. <laughs> it's unbelievable because even in RE2, I mean, you take, take the view that you don't see all the levels in RE2 and Outbreak. But you see two levels above that, I think, in RE2, if I remember correctly. So where the fuck's he gone? Is, it, is this like a, you know, a staff entrance or something? He's just turned up. Or is it the, you know, the pizza delivery guy's entrance? Tradesperson. You know, take, I'll take the master elevator and you end up in this secret umbrella lab. I, it is totally baffling. And then, of course, they have the cheek to show two hunters turn up. They go, what? <laughs> where did they come from? Where did they come from? Yeah, months earlier. Months. They they could. I mean, they could have just jumped over the fence and into the into the into Raccoon City, basically, couldn't they? I mean, what the. I think if you uh, if you backtrack there after you've killed the tyrant, there's there's zombies in there as well. No, it's just a complete mess. It really is. I mean, it looks gorgeous, and it gives just just for a few camera angles gives the idea of what an actual RE2 remake if it was done in the same style of the classic remake could have looked like you know and it is it's beautiful it really is but i'd never actually considered the um the fact that yeah billy actually gets taken out over the railings in the church and then ends up the same distance as a fucking cable car which i do kind of like the idea that there's this under underground network of cable cars that the umbrella staff use to get around the city i think that's kind of cool but for the uninitiated this is where the magic elevator comes in what a beautiful addition to the series this was if i could just stress to people that in 2003 for the diagrams (laughs) <laughs> the things that were sketched and drawn and theorised about how we could have an elevator shaft shooting up into the sky because the top level of the magic elevator takes you back to the management training facility. And there are people to this day that say that that canonically can work. Do you tell me where the great elevator shaft that shoots out of the marshalling yard into the sky goes? Well, it goes sideways, Sean. It goes up to the second floor and it goes sideways and then it goes back down again and then... There was people who used to say, oh, you know, oh, yeah, well, it's clearly that it's just it's just slightly off on a camera angle. We can't see that there's a massive mountain range <laughs> and the management training facility is actually on the edge of a cliff and the, and the elevator does go vertically up the mountain. Oh. And it's like the amount of times we would play through the series, screenshotting everything or taking photos on our very poor Nokias back then and going, well, there's clearly nothing. It's a fucking wilderness. Where's the fucking mountain range? But come on, it was spectacularly homaged in Welcome to Raccoon City, though. It was. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, we've. Yeah, we, I feel we've spent too much time talking about the Magic Elevator already. This has been gone over, scorned over. I mean, the thing is, if you play it without any knowledge of it, even then, you know, even if you've not played RE2, you can see it's there just to go back to the mansion. Yeah, it's, it, it is no different to a gameplay mechanic as the item boxes were. Yes, and that's all it ever was, all it ever intentionally was. End of discussion. Moving on, Tyrant. Randomly, we get a Tyrant turn up, much to everyone's enjoyment. What I liked, the fact that it did tie in a bit to remake lore, didn't it, with the with the idea that this was the T-001 as opposed to the T-002. Nice little nod. And I suppose it's the first kind of boss battle we, we've come to that 
I mean, it's not too bad, is it? I mean, like, I mean, at least it's got its own AI. <laughs> you know, it's, it's free thinking, and you know, you've got a small kind of claustrophobic location. Again, you've really got to make sure that you've got the right you know, items with the right person because I think it's only Rebecca that faces up against. Mm. And it's quite ferocious. I mean, I, I've been killed a few times on hard mode um, at this point. I will confess I had my first death here. Uh, I just completely messed up the dodging and I just hemorrhaged too much health against it. Yeah, it's it's very misleading, isn't it? It's, it's an easy boss fight, but because you're in such a small contained area, it's kind of intimidating. And the tyrant itself looks great. And I find... The sort of shaking it does, I find that really unsettling. But I always save my Magnum rounds for the Tyrant. Magnum rounds I only ever use on the Tyrant and on the Hunters, because it only takes one one shot, obviously. But I, I didn't have any particular issues with the Tyrant this time round. As long as you're basically just running from one side of the screen to the other, aren't you? As long as you time it correctly, it's uh, it's quite easy. What about the second fight? That's a bit more challenging, but you've got more areas to run around in. It's kind of the same, isn't it? But sometimes, because it's it's, it's on a, like a narrow gantry, once you shoot him, you have to try, then try and run past him to get to another safe area. And because it's so narrow, sometimes it won't let you run past him. And then he gets up and swipes you. So the first battle is is definitely easier. But again, from a from a law perspective, it it does spoil what you'll ultimately go on to face in the in the next game. I think I'd have much preferred it if we'd maybe just come across the dissected corpse of the T one oh one or something rather than actually having to fight it. My head cannon is is that William Birkin set it loose to take care of Enrico. That's the only sort of vague thing I can possibly think of as to why it would suddenly randomly get activated and why it would be in that particular part of the lab. But one thing I do appreciate is, even though it does come back, I don't know how the hell it's found its way down eight levels underground into the <laughs> sewerage pool, but I do, I can appreciate that if you do go back to that area, instead of it just randomly disappearing, it's actually sliced a big hole through the shutter. So I appreciate that they've taken the time to actually show how it's got out. Got out. I have never noticed that. I uh, no. I've never been to, never been, never been back to that room. So can you actually go back into the main train platform then through the hole? So if you take the elevator back up to that particular level, the shutter has been sliced open and the tyrant has actually disappeared. So you can go into the turntable room, and I think that's actually got zombies in it now. Oh no! Which which makes even less sense, but. Oh no! Is it really? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's it's it is pretty cool how the the tyrants just fucking sliced a huge gash through the shutter, which is obviously not there when Resident Evil Two comes round. Well, they would replace that, wouldn't they? That's not an issue for me. That one. Yeah, yeah. The zombies are a bigger one. <laughs> Yeah. So the last kind of set piece, if you like, in terms of area, the new hub area, is the water treatment plant, which I like the scene in the cavern, because you are basically underground. I mean, it still raises big questions as to how the hell is this thing here next to Birkin's lab and when it explodes, how, you know, what would... You know, just just smile and nod. It's just deep, deep underground. Deep, un very deep underground, very deep underground. But this seemingly serves the entire city. I got the impression this was actually almost like the main water treatment plant of Raccoon City as opposed to a specific umbrella treatment plant. I don't know if that's there's any bit of information about that, or is it just for Birkin's lab? Well, one of the files does say it's an umbrella corporation facility because they're talking about contaminated waste, aren't they? Because they're getting, a bit like what happens in the dead factory, they're getting regular industrial waste coming through and it's overflowing the system. One of the files says that, I think. But I think originally in concept arts, the idea was the water treatment plant had shut down a lot earlier, possibly at the same time as the training facility. Because if you look at the concept art in the archives book, 
all of the artwork for the treatment plant is like heavily covered in spider webs. Mm. Green slime type thing, isn't it? Yeah, but I think as well as this shutdown umbrella treatment plant, I think it's like meant to be the main raccoon dam as well. Yeah. Because even though there's files saying it's been shut down, there's obviously still workers in there. So I think you're right. I think it does some part of it anyway does service the whole of raccoon city and this is the thing you've got to remember yeah because it has got the workers in it so you're kind of on the queen leech's tail is the way i've always kind of looked at it because as you get there the queen leech decides i'm only going to infect the water treatment plant i'm not going to infect birkin's lab which would be quite handy revenge but no never mind i'll leave that alone i will only infect all the workers down there and that's why they're they're fresh very much fresh zombies uh, maybe, you know, a couple of hours old at best. But I, I like the area because I, I felt it was actually quite realistic in that sense. I mean, obviously, I've never been to a water treatment plant, but, you know, it felt very appropriate. You know, that there's like the mess rooms isn't there. There's a big con- kind of central terminal, which would absolutely be the case uh, in places like this. Quarters as well. I generally like the area, even if it was quite cramped. I think it I think it was quite a nice nice looking area and there's some great scenes isn't there i mean one of the save rooms right near the bottom you've got that zombie right in front of your face as it's sprawled over the bed in one of the bunk beds particular heart favorite of mine yeah 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 it's it's for for sort of quite an bland industrial area it's it is quite interesting it's it has got some very good rooms in it yeah the purification rooms where you can see like the sewage tanks overflowing and you can see it like running down the walls and things and yeah it's it's quite a, a good realistic environment can we talk about the puzzle, the big puzzle in this area? That one can really go to hell. That has got to be the most tedious base pushing pull puzzle. I mean, it's a staple of the RE series. That type of thing is in quite a number of games, remake, RE1, 2. But fuck me, that is a pain up the royal. Now, I remember on your last stream, Nick, it didn't it take you about 45 minutes to do? Thank you, Sean. Yep. Yep. <laughs> It does, though, seem to take all the frustrations out of all the individual puzzles over the series and just kind of combine them into just one massive pain in the arse. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. If you're going to pick one, people pick, I like the RE3 Tetris puzzle, you know, the water treatment. That, that, that is, this is the one no. that drives me through the wall. Just, no, no, I did not enjoy that. It's just, I, I get so frustrated when it doesn't work. I have to say it's the first and only time in the game that I always just resort to a game guide to, just to get it out of the way and do it as quickly. What? Yeah, I don't blame you, George. I don't blame you. It's just, it's the, oh, no, I, no, no, no. Okay. Well, we know you're very good at these. You, you, I'm not, though. I'm not <laughs> I'm a terrible Resident Evil game player, but these the, 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 the puzzles that people seem to struggle on, like, genuinely astound me. Okay. What what is it? What is it in particular that that bamboozles you about this one? Well, you just got to get in the right order, haven't you? And you can't, you know, any mistake, you're screwed. And you know, you, and then if you pushed it slightly slightly the wrong direction, jump over. Oh no! And it it, it, it just takes so long. And any mistake, you got to start it all over again. And it's just a pain with two. You know, oh, no, I just I can't. I just I just want it to end. I just want it to end. <laughs> I have to say, I am I am really with honestly most of the time. Nick's shenanigans absolutely baffle me. And I'm not the greatest player, you know, I mean, just watch me play Dead Space the other night. There's obviously a very simple technique. Once you get it memorised, it, it's fine. But, but I'm with Nick with this. And what gets me is I forget which way to turn that thing that you turn around. You know, I always... 
mm. turn it the wrong way or too much. Well, it, it's simple to solve, isn't it? It's just occasionally your character will get stuck if you push the crate slightly too far and it won't let you push it the other way. So I can see where you're coming from when it gets, you know, it can be frustrating, but it's, you know, it's easy to, the solution's easy, isn't it? It's, it is a bit of a ridiculous puzzle. There's also added pressure when you're streaming it. Yeah, which I can imagine that, yeah. I don't like to disappoint people, and I'm just going... <laughs> I appreciate how frustrating this game is with its mechanics and things, but I think part of the reason I enjoyed my particular playthrough this time round is I was very lucky. Everything seemed to work as it should, and I never really had any problems. The only issue I had really was every time I wanted to run away in the first half an hour, I kept bringing up the inventory. Oh my god. Yeah, but I think that's why I enjoyed my playthrough, because I had no frustrating deaths, and you know there was no problems when it came to being able to push things and having to reset puzzles and things, because I can see why it gets very frustrating very quickly, to the point where it puts you off wanting to finish the rest of the game. I'm so pleased you said that. I've had people literally walk out of streams that I've been doing because in the first 20 minutes or so on the train, I'm constantly accidentally calling up the inventory when I want to run or aim or something. And yeah, I I've had people just walk out because, yeah. It is an unforgivable change. I don't know. I mean, in Origins Collection, why are the buttons different on Remake than they are on Zero? It is utterly baffling to a point where I, I couldn't play it and I had to go into my PlayStation settings and go to the accessibility option and switch it because Square is run on PlayStation in tank control Resident Evil games. I don't care what you say. Circle is not run. This is wonderful. This is like a little therapy session, this bit of the podcast. I, thought it was, I just thought it was just me. And no. I, and, oh, this is brilliant. Um, yeah, uh, GameCube controller, mate. Well, it's, the GameCube controller is a thing of beauty anyway. <laughs> it was, but the great thing was, I mean, you talk about the Origins collection having different controls. The GameCube was glorious for the fact that it had six Resident Evil games and each game had a unified control system. Z was always map. B was always run. You know, Y was always inventory. It was glorious to have such a unified control scheme. Now, also in this part of the game, there is another creature called the Lurker. That's a zombie frog. In 20 years of playing, I have never encountered one. I have ran. I know where they come. I know where they jump up. I know where they're supposed to be. I have never encountered... I may have seen a little bit of a leg as I ran past. In fact, the only time I've ever seen zombie frogs is in Dark Side Chronicles and Confidential Report. That is the only time I've ever encountered them. But uh, I am reliably informed they are in this game. I thought... I'm sure you guys thought as well that Nick was about to say that he's constantly gobbled whole by them because no. they can they can gobble you whole yes and I'll tell you go on after I did the fucking battery puzzle with the forklift this has never happened before in all my previous 20 years worth of playthroughs as I got the key card for the furnace the furnace is a key card I think it's called a lurker jumped next to the forklift and fucking ate Billy alive I literally was sat there absolutely dumbfounded. I, I just was like, what? This? I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't even know it was possible. Like, I was almost paralysed with being able to, to, like, respond. I didn't even know if you can button mash out of the... Because I, I don't think you can with the lurkers. I think once they've snared you, I think you need the other character to shoot it. But, of course, Rebecca was stood on the box and I couldn't get her down in time. And then Billy was just fucking gobbled alive whole. That's really cool, because I think out of all the times I've been in that room, I've, I've never, ever seen a lurker in there. Well, the thing is, I then did it a couple of times after that, because I you know, had a couple more deaths in separate occasions, and had to repeat that puzzle each time. 
and the lurker never appeared again. So it's it's a purely random one. Mm. I'm interested to see that you've never encountered them, Nick, because they all they, they seem to always consistently appear for me. Where you send Rebecca across in the gondola, and she has to lower the floodgate so Billy can cross over. When Billy runs over the water, there a yeah. lurker pretty much always jumps out. Yeah, no, no, they do. I can I can hear them. I can see him sometimes swimming. Yeah, but it, ju- it jumps out onto the platform every single time, I think. Well, every single time I've done it. I've always been past it. It always jumps behind me. Mm. I've never fired a weapon at them, and I've, I've never actually got a good look at them. I don't really know how big they are. Well, they're not that intimidating because they don't seem to attack. They'll, they'll have one go at you with the tongue, and then they'll just randomly turn around and jump back into the water. Okay, there we go. See, I don't know these things. I just run. Weird things. But then, in law, they are one of the very earliest BOWs and they are considered a failure, so Mm. fair enough. I like to headcanon the fact that a lot of them swam downstream into Raccoon City, because you see them in Darkseid Chronicles, albeit smaller versions of them. Mm. So I like like to kind of headcanon them being the, the same. One, one of the same. Yeah, but it's nicely explained, isn't it, that Javier bought them in Darkseid Chronicles because they were so cheap, because they were so shit. Yes, yeah, he bought all, he bought all the shit stuff. <laughs> right, we are rapidly approaching the, the end of our quest. We have explored the water treatment facility, we've encountered some lurkers, and as Sean has alluded to, we are heading to the furnace of hate. <laughs> and we are looking... At... Finally, the, the mystery is revealed. The mystery is revealed, and we wish it hadn't, because our Brother Chronicles probably does it a little bit better. But there we go. Do you think the game is undermined a bit by the fact that it's not actually Marcus? Do you think it would have been better if it actually was Marcus? Yeah, a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Why is the Queen leech this sort of sentient thing? Well, it almost robs us, doesn't it, of like a kind of a, 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 a character. And, and again, just it's this latter stages of the game that I start to feel, you know, I don't know. Again, you know, we've got the Lisa Trevor, we've got the whole, you know, Wesker Betrayal in remake. And just with this, I just think that, yeah, that it's really lacking kind of strong characterization, plot points, and just lack of empathy or anything or any feeling or connection with this kind of this characterless creature. It doesn't help that in the same cutscene, it has Marcus speak from a first-person perspective. So he's the one who, that you know, addresses Rebecca and Billy and says Spencer had me assassinated. Mm. So you think you are actually speaking to Marcus until you get the scene where it rejects him and, you know, he vomits all the stuff up and becomes the Queen Leech at last. I just find the narrative just completely muddled as to what story kind of story it's trying to tell. Like, you know, why would this Leech seek revenge on Umbrella so specifically? It is odd. The vomiting almost implies that the the young person is Marcus. And then, as you said, the Queen Leech is, is, is kind of coming out of the real one. That's how I interpret it, because otherwise the Umbrella revenge plot can't happen. But it's not, though. It, it's all Queen Leech. Just in a, it, It's basically it's a mimicry Marcus, as I call the murder in the podcast. And then it's just turning itself into Leech form. The Queen Leech, through Marcus, says it took 10 years to create my life again. So does the, are we assuming residual memories of Marcus have some sway over the Queen Leech during this process? And that's how the Umbrella Revenge plot occurs? 
It's quite similar. It's almost the progenitor of the, the Megamycete in a way, because the leeches have like resurrected Marcus's corpse. It's lazily explained that it's inherited his memories, which obviously includes his resentment towards Spencer and Umbrella, which is heavily mentioned in all the files throughout the game. But because it's not clearly explained, it's easy to see why people have this common misconception that the Queen Leech has basically resurrected Marcus from the dead instead of essentially just acquiring his basic genetic information and, you know, resembling itself to look like Marcus. So is is his residual memory driving her motives in some way? Well, yeah, it has to be because that's why it does what it does. You know, why would it go three miles away or wherever it is to in infect the mansion? Mm. Which, again, makes no sense considering it's, it's basically born underneath Raccoon City and it could just infect all of Raccoon City if it wanted to. It's it's a very poor plot point and, and it's, sadly it takes away something from the original game with the really silly retcon that Marcus caused the biohazard in the mansion as well. It's quite ridiculous to think that the whole sort of Arkley Mansion Raccoon City storyline that we're all so enamoured with was basically caused by a magic leech. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. How did everyone get on with that first boss fight then? I died twice. Died twice? Terrible. I can't even explain why it went wrong, it just did. One of the characters just got grabbed repeatedly, and whatever it does to that character during the grab animation, and just, just killed him outright. Bizarre. I must admit, I just sort of ride my luck on this particular fight and just unload everything I've got onto him, and just use whatever of herbs I've got to survive. I just make sure the NPC character has a heavy weapon and I just stand still basically in fire until it changes into his second form and then I start doing loops around the furnace. But again, quite straightforward, but obviously frustrating if you've not got enough ammo. I, I didn't have too many problems, but I, by this point, of course, I was in easy mode, so it was okay. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't. I've not made it that far in normal mode, so I, I couldn't comment on that. But I like I like to, um, I, I try to save the flame rounds for it. Because it's I, I'm going on the idea that fire is helpful against leeches because it's pretty good against the mimicry Marcuses. So I tend to save the flame rounds, fire at distance, run around, hide. Because it's kind of got a similar sort of vibe in a similar sort of room, isn't it? To a bit like Birkin G4 from RE2. It's that same type of room. I didn't find it too difficult, but I'm playing at easy, which is ridiculous. But I don't know about what about you, George? How do you how do you tend to approach the, the first Queen Leech battle? I can't remember where I read it, but I, I read long ago in a guide somewhere that Molotov cocktails work very well against the Queen Leech. So I tend to load up, I think it's Billy, with yeah, flame rounds and grenade launcher and take control of Rebecca and just constantly just pelt it with as many because I, I try to avoid as many leech men as possible in order to save as many uh, Molotov cocktails as I can for the end battle and yeah I just lobbed them. I think it was many years ago actually that Nick corrected me because I used to think that it was very much a resurrection with James Marcus and it takes away kind of all that that, that personalization from it when you discover it is like the Queen Leech but yeah I then took it that it was almost like Xeroxed over Marcus's memories and, mo and motivations and, you know, that's, that, 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 that strong sense of betrayal, which is almost Xeroxed over into the Queen Leech. And would that be similar, would you say, to what happened with Alex Wesker, who was kind of, you know, her, her misconception that she was going to resurrect herself and her soul actually ended up all, almost just effectively... Natalia's like a clone, isn't she, of Alex Wesker, not actually the, the, the same version. So I don't know if you, you guys would agree, maybe something similar to that, that it's kind of like a Xerix copy, you know, it's not the original. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's more like a save state of his mind at that point. 
yeah that's been resumed it's not it's not marcus itself it's just overly complicated for what it's trying to tell but we do get the 10 years ago <laughs> what is worse than that is william birkin he's just like and now i will take over your research <laughs> 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 yeah it's so bad. It is atrocious. Mm. Richard Wilde does great work against these people, mind you, delivering what is probably his career best Wesker, in all honesty. Because mm. he's just, he's not hes not a pantomime villain in this. He's just cool and calculating. And Richard plays it so well. And I, know, I think it's your interview, GT, from Crimson Head, where he said if he'd known that this was sort of the Wesker of the time, he would approaches Code Veronica Wesker very differently now if given a chance post-zero. Yes. Interesting. That then leads on to the final boss fight, and just when you thought you had mastered the game's mechanics, they decide to make sure you have to use these mechanics in the final boss fight, just to piss you off that little bit more. From a geographical point of view, you've now got to, again, remove all question marks that you have in your mind about how this possibly works. You are now travelling at a 45 degree angle from very deep underground. You are travelling at least a further three miles in a different direction to that of the mansion training facility. And no, I do not count the fact that Rebecca can see the mansion and the fire of the blown up MTF in Umbrella Chronicles as canonical. They are nowhere near each other, the two mansions. But anyway, you go up, you go up the, you go up the escalator, which is which is nice, nice homage to two, isn't it? Because that's the same, the same one from RE two, an outbreak, not the same one, but the same design, should I say? Yep. And then you you end up in the heliport for the water training facility. Quite why a water training facility needs a heliport, I don't know, but there we go. And got the 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 leech kind of chasing you up the scene, which is quite cool. And then you've got to open up the roof in order to kill it. I really hate this boss fight. I find this an absolute chore. I just get, it's just an, it's just annoying. I think more than anything else. I don't know. Did anyone find it a bit tight on the timings or is that just me being silly? No, no, the timing's not an issue, Nick. Is it not? No, I can't think I've ever looked at the timer. I know it's there, but I've never looked at it in response to thinking, oh my God, this is getting tight. Because Rebecca runs on like a preset circuit, so unless she's getting severely held up, she'll do this in plenty of time. But if you've not got enough ammo left to distract the queen, it's, mm. it's practically impossible to it is, yeah. protect her. Yeah, so I just I'm not sure it's a particularly good end boss fight. That's all. No, it, it's quite unsatisfying because you could always argue that you're always buying time. You know, the tyrant battle on top of the Spencer Mansion and the T103 fight at the end of Resident Evil 2. You know, you're you're more buying time than you are fighting it until you get the rocket launcher but that was the difference you know those games had that moment where you were actually able to pick up the final weapon and use it whereas you know even even resident evil 3 remake lets you fire the trigger for the railgun at the 11th hour whereas this takes away the final blow i do think it's a very unsatisfying final boss i also don't particularly like the design much Whereas I think the first form is humanoid, and I think this one, I think this one struggles in its kind of like weird multiple mouth mode or whatever, whatever it's supposed to be. Again, you can argue like you know Birkin gets bigger, but it's like Birkin's a tyrant for all intents and purposes, and he kind of gets bigger and bigger as the game goes on. But then you've always got as the kind of other end boss with the, with the super tyrant, so you've kind of got that kind of you know it's difficult, it's challenging. You've got something 
that is basically superhuman against you, whereas this just feels like a weird blob thing that's not particularly exciting. Where you know, compare it to others: Nemesis, Tyrant, Birkin, Hypnos, Tyrant, Alexia, and the other Tyrant as well uh, earlier in the game, and even the outbreaks, Thanatos. I don't know. I, I, I've, I just found it a bit meh. I preferred the first form. I think it's a bit similar to the last battle with Nemesis in the fact that it's, you know, it's on its last legs, it's mutated all beyond control, it's weakened. So you're not fighting its, like, true self. Mm. So, you know, it is a little bit of an anticlimax. I think it's explained that the leeches are covered in, like, a transparent film, and it's obviously the ultraviolet rays from the sunlight burn it, and it can't maintain its cellular structure which is why it's so weak something like that i can't quite remember but yeah it's literally holding itself together in that last fight which is why it's so crap basically but it does remind me of nemesis the way it's just sort of hulking itself around that room when you're trying to fire the rail cannon at it but at least in the nemesis fight it's earned that it's lingering doing everything it can to kill you even if it is a weird blob thing then of course at the metamorphosis theme tune just makes it awesome yeah you've only really seen marcus you know about 10 minutes ago it doesn't feel quite as earned desperate i think but yeah no i agree any any other experiences with with that boss fight thankfully did it first time i was just going to ask you know with regards to the geography um if you check the map what location does it assign it to it's still under the water facility is it i wasn't sure whether it just like randomly shifted to the training facility just to really bend people's minds no no because it's deemed to be the heliport of the water facility because obviously as you said a couple of minutes ago it, it throws rebecca back out into the arclay mountains yeah pff, smile and nod <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a hell of a lot easier if they just had it so that you didn't go to the re2 lab and it is the re2 lab it's not a different lab yeah we haven't really talked about that yeah but that was another theory that was going around back in day it really was that the, this was uh, exactly the same facility in terms of its like dimensions and everything like that, but was separate to the one that was in Resident Evil 2. So the idea that Raccoon City had a number of these identical facilities. And marshalling yards as well, of course. Yeah, you know. just nonsense. Absolute nonsense. And even if that were true, and you go, fine, it is a different lab. And arguably with Remake 2, you could justify that it is a different lab now, if, if you're going to take Remake 2 as you know completely canonical with that type of thing. It still doesn't help the scenario in any way. No. It's, 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 it's still stupid with the magic elevator, and if, if you're going to try and say it's all on one level. So it doesn't help. It, just, it, just, it alleviates potentially one issue. And uh, just as a, a final cute little observation that we'll revisit later this year, there was two Resident Evil games, although you could strictly say this is a 2002 game, it was a 2003 game over here, as was Resident Evil Dead Aim, and both games have the final shot against the final boss nearly shot for shot the same. It has a character shooting in slow motion with a bullet time moment hitting the, uh, hitting the final boss. Very strange. It was. It still looks rubbish. Well, Paul Anderson really capitalised on bullet time for his uh, Resident Evil movie, so that's what they were clearly going for. And uh, Hey Queenie, feast on this is just <laughs> awesome. I do love the fact that they even take a moment to just, they show him preparing to take the shot and they they put in this cute little shot of him adjusting his footwork and put even put a sound effect of this squeaking shoes on the floor. It's beautiful. Just keep an eye out for that next time you play it. Hey, Queenie! Feast on this!
fantastic. And then, of course, Billy just walks off, never to be seen again. He's still wandering around that forest. Still wandering around the forest. Or, as a, a good a good theory was, again, back in Deer, Nemesis. That was a theory. That was a theory. I thought you were talking about the Billy-looking zombie in Resident Evil 3. That, well, yes, that too. There is a bit. There is a Billy zombie in uh, RE RE3, isn't there? He doesn't. He doesn't have the tattoo, but yeah. So there we go. That that's the kind of walkthrough beginning to end of Resident Evil Zero. We we're left with the butterfly being caught in a spider's web as we see the mansion. I do. I, I do kind of like the ending. I mean, it ties into the EX file in Resident Evil Two N sixty four version well, where Rebecca does you know, double down on the fact that Billy did die, allegedly, and she she covers up for him. It's kind of cute that we got that before Zero, if you know what I mean. That was, it was kind of like, we got a preview of the game in an EX file in the N64 version of Resident Evil 2, which was cool. I do like the fact that you get a shot of the Spencer Mansion, and I do like the image of the, the butterfly being caught in the web. As, as imagery goes, it's cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it raises big questions about Rebecca's portrayal in Remake. The PTSD gave her amnesia. They are different characters. And what I find frustrating about that is the fact that this was the first time where you had two concurrent projects running in Zero and Remake that didn't correlate with each other. And who'd have thought, fucking hell, history would repeat itself (laughs) 20 years later when you've got Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 that don't correlate either and have, like, incorrect geography with each other. And it's just, you can't believe it happens again. Why don't these teams just talk to each other and try and give a cohesive narrative? Who knows? That's bizarre, isn't it? So 20 years on then, what what's your kind of closing thoughts on Zero? Is it, is it better than you thought it was? Was it worse than you thought it was? Or was it about the same? And in the grand scheme of things, this was the last mainline pre-rendered tank controls. Was this the reason why tank controls were scrapped? I still think for all its faults, it's doing things. It did things from a point of view of being a, a survival horror fan that more recent titles are, are failing to do. That's what's so disappointing for me about Village is that with Seven, it was like a tantalising suggestion that Capcom were actually brave enough to to look back and think, well, yes, yeah, some of these these mechanics and, and this type of atmosphere and to try and induced this kind of feeling in, in, in players by giving this this maybe this scaled down gameplay and a, a more kind of cerebral and more atmospheric uh, and trying to create tension not not with fast combat but with kind of slow immersive gameplay uh, that really pulls on the emotions uh, and your tensions yeah and I, I just think a lot of these tenants of survival horror are actually lacking in in more recent titles even though yeah i mean my score is going to be downgraded by the fact that what's come out today particularly is yes some of the boss battles really were quite let let down and 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 the plot but then i don't think capcom really have improved particularly you know you might say that with the modern game mechanics they progress the series and dropping the tank controls and everything but you only have to look at the you know the plot of you know Miranda walking into a cave, you know, and for the, finding the Megamycea and, and, and everything that is, is Heisenberg um, to, to, for me to suggest that uh, they certainly haven't improved in, in that area. So you're still, you're still happy and 20 years on? Yeah, it feels, yeah, just as it feels more relevant to me because I'm playing it more than any of the more recent titles. 
That's interesting that you mentioned that GT about like you know Miranda and walking into this big cave and stuff like that. And and I know John in the in our last podcast, uh, Resident Evil Six one. You know, you said John that you found that going back to the main staples and stuff after the sort of supernatural shenanigans of Village was refreshing. Do you feel like that's possibly why Zero has resonated more because you you're in a sort of post Village franchise now that going back to just sort of skulking around in the dark in the management training facility resonates in such a massively different way now than supernatural shenanigans absolutely i mean i used to have i've had big problems in years gone by with the whole concept of the queen leech and the mimicry marcus and the opera singing young marcus and i don't even think about it now because i'm used to you know the such ridiculous shenanigans we get in village you know i was actually thinking randomly when i was in the training facility the other night exploring some room and reading a file about umbrella thinking god at this exact moment in time in eastern europe there's three women knocking about made up of flies and <laughs> a guy <laughs> working in his factory who can manipulate metal you know and it's just like mm. but i must say though every single time i play this game and i think i do play this game a lot more than I care to admit to myself because obviously with it being the first one I always have these grand ideas to do a chronological playthrough every now and then and I never get too far but I always play zero and I can't understand what Capcom were thinking by making this game a prequel because it, when it came out in 2002 2003 you could literally just change the characters and just have a different forest area city that isn't raccoon city but keep the environments identical set it in around 2002 and maybe have i don't know jill and leon investigating leads on umbrella and and it could basically be the same game but just not be a prequel and i think it would be a lot better received if it was set in like 2002 a couple of years before umbrella's end and they were just investigating some random old umbrella facility that's on the outskirts of some town and i just think it would be a lot better i just think it's it's hampered so badly because it's a prequel mm. and there's just no benefit to it being a prequel it really is just utterly baffling john what about you where do you where, where do you feel Zero sits 20 years on happier with it than you were? I think in all honesty, because I find the gameplay quite broken in a lot of places, I think the HD version, with it broke the game in its own way to then make the broken enemies work in a roundabout way. So I think the HD version is the definitive way to play the game. In terms of it being an audiovisual experience, it's one of the best the series has to offer. I say that with, you know, no, no hyper, hyperbole or anything like that. It is a treat. But this game is... It's so ironic in the fact that it tried to mix up the old formula by doing some drastic changes to it. And the irony comes from the fact that I think it was the death blow mm. of that era because Remake kind of brought back the goodwill of this this genre and the pre-rendered camera angles and everybody loved Remake. There's not a person out there who doesn't love Remake. Yeah, you might prefer the original game, but there's no one who will tell you Remake is a bad game. Unless you literally cannot get your head around how older games used to work, and I get that, you know, if if you weren't born when remake came out and you're used to modern sensibilities with with regards to video games, going back to something like that, I can imagine, is a bit jarring. But people who were alive at the time and 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 are happy to go back and play retro games and things like that, there's not a person alive who will say remake is 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 a bad game. But zero, it's it's just impossible to define. It just it just does so much wrong. And yeah, uh, 
So I don't know what to say. That's interesting because I find a parallel with what you've just said there to Resident Evil 7 and Village. Because I think Resident Evil 7 is a quintessential soft reboot that did everything pretty much right. And Village, even though it follows the same kind of formula, just went a bit too out there with some of its ideas and mechanics. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like similar game, but it sort of spoiled the good work of what Resident Evil 7 did because it's just so ridiculous in some places. I think you're right though as well. No one were talking about the end of tank controls. I think there's a couple of comments again. It's a bit, mm, bit, bit clunky, but between zero and then outbreak not really working because the infrastructure wasn't there and that really hampered its accessibility and the loading times and all sorts it took two games arguably three if you include outbreak file two to just kill off tank controls mm. <laughs> that was it that was it it was like you know just before nitpickers come along yes we're aware Resident Evil 4 has tank controls, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's completely different and it, it's, it's a different thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I said going back to it, it's an experience, isn't it? It's a frustrating experience, but it's got a lot of good points going. The atmosphere, the music, the special effects, the kind of sound effects as well. And the HD version just looks absolutely gorgeous. Puts remake HD to shame in a lot of places. Hmm. I know Capcom lost the original assets for remake, didn't they? So that's why it's not quite as good as it could be. But there's lots, there is lots to like. But I, I, I'm still always frustrated by the experience, and it's not a game I will regularly go back to. I just wish you could play it in two player. I just wonder if they ever thought about putting actual local co-op in it. I just wonder if that would be better. I don't know. Hmm. Who knows? <laughs> well, that's it. That's, tw that's 20 glorious years examined beginning to end. We hope everyone has enjoyed our assessment, if you like, and our review strategy tips and basically what not to do as well, which is always a Brucey bonus when you're, when you're listening. With that, then, we turn our attention to the first in the season of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Do you know your G-Virus from your C-Virus? And your Jabberwock from your Bandersnatch? Or perhaps the number of bombs that appear on the Made in Heaven vest? What the fucking question is that? I'm getting a big fatty eye this week. Yeah, I'm not going to get any of these. We've talked about the games straying too far from the Origins, this Resident Evil quiz. We're now getting Spice Girls as the correct answer, I mean, it's time to quit. This is Neptune Biohazard Quiz. Quiz number one of season eight, and because we're celebrating Resident Evil Zero, it is, of course, a Resident Evil Zero themed quiz, which is always exciting. So everyone can clear their notepads. It's the same rules as always. 
So question number one comes from Jordan Osiris. So we're going to start the way we mean to go on. What were the specials being served on the Ecliptic Express? <gasps> I can give you a little clue. It's where you fight the Stinger. Yeah, I know where it is. Cause, oh, fuck, because I was reading this the other day, because you're right, you can see so much more of this stuff from the remastered, but I've already forgotten. So there we go. There's two answers, so um, there's two possibilities you can get there. Question number two. We've had this question before. I just couldn't resist. It's it's such a good question. Complete the animal hunting food chain puzzle. What's the order? Wait, this was a question before. We've had it. I'm, I'm pretty sure we've had it before. But I want it again. We we celebrated the genius of this puzzle. So tell me the order of the of the animal food chain puzzle. There we go. Question number three. How many times do you encounter Cerberus in the game? Question number four. What USS squad was sent to complete the reclamation project? What was their squad designation? Can you just say, Nick, can you just say that again? Sorry. Yeah. What USS squad was sent to complete the reclamation project? So what was their, uh, was their designation? And finally, question number five. What item in the game is exclusive to the GameCube version and what does it do? Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Can you say that one more time, Nick? I'm getting zero. Yes. Appropriate. Uh, what item <laughs> in the game is exclusive to the GameCube version? There's an item in the game that's only is in the there? GameCube version. And what does it do? Join us after this or we'll run through those answers. What's going on? <laughs> Ten years ago, Spencer had me assassinated. Research. <laughs> I'm predicting some confidence here, not too bad. So question number one is a very tricky question from Jordan. But what was the name of the specials being served on the Ecliptic Express? Batman, any ideas? Can't remember, but I have read this before. I'm sure it's something to do with shrimps. <gasps> but that's all I can remember. Something today's special is shrimp. I'm sure it says something like that, but I can't remember the rest. Okay, Star Star, did you know? I too thought it was some prawn-based um, food, but I didn't know confidently enough, so I just went with the nearest foods uh, food-based reference that I had to come up with. So I'm going to go for, it. and I know it's wrong, but I just I hope it just generates a chuckle with our audience. Jim's crabs, ladies and gentlemen. Tim's oh, crap. Awesome. <laughs> George Trevor, what did you put? Yeah, I think John's right because I just had this strong feeling about prawns, but thinking I know I must be wrong. But I'm gonna be I was I've been accused of cheating before. <laughs> I don't know why. But no, I'll stick to what I would have said, prawns, but that's must be why I was thinking prawns, because the correct answer must be shrimp. But I knew it had something to do with prawns. So no, I would have said prawns, that's what I'm saying. I'm giving half a point to everyone. Yes, uh, Mediterranean-style shrimp, which are prawns, so that's fine. So it's one of the specials. Or you could have had Carpaccio roast chicken. Mm, nice. Sounds nice. It sounds very nice. Mm, very good. They know how to serve them uh, on in the umbrella train. 
Question number two. John was very confident of this. What is the order of the animal hunting puzzle food chain thing? You know what I mean. John. See, I'm very confident when I'm playing it and I can see them. <laughs> um, oh, bollocks. I'm, I know I'm going to kill myself. I think I've got this wrong, but I'm going to go for horse, wolf, stag, panther, snake, eagle. Okay. George Trevor. Um, well, I mean, Batman can stick up for himself, but I don't understand why he only got half a point for getting the answer right just now. Uh, didn't, he, didn't he say shrimp and that was the right answer? But uh, he doesn't need any help from me. Uh, the, <laughs> the answer to this um, is stag and then wolf. Criminally, wolf is, is below horse. I think it should be after horse, but anyway. Then it's horse, then it's tiger, um, then the snake, um, and then the uh, the last one is, is the eagle. Star Stone. I had stag, wolf, horse, lion. I thought it was a lion, snake, eagle. Correct answer. Stag, <laughs> wolf, horse, lion, snake, eagle. Bollocks. I got horse and stag the wrong way around. Does that mean I get it right? You got it right, Stars Tyrant. I'm, I'm going to give it... I mean... Is it not a tiger? I thought, it was, I thought it was like a panther thing. Well, it's, it's, because, it's because the description calls, king. calls it as the king. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very panthery looking. So yeah, I would think it was a tiger. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give George the point um, for that. I think Star should as well because he. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I actually, in, in, on my notes, I've got lion slash tiger. So there we go. So you've you've covered both the basics. Question number three is how many times do you encounter Cerberus in the game, George? Oh god! So there's two at the beginning. Um, Not how many Cerberus, but how many times you encounter. Oh, okay. So that's the first encounter. Oh, there's the second encounter with Billy. Just uh, so there's two encounters on the train. Oh, and then there's they're the ones out. So I'm going to say it's. Pro- I'm going to say three, and I'm probably forgetting one. Three. Three. Batman. Um, I think it's just two. I think it's the initial one where it jumps through the window. And the second one where it jumps out the cage um, near the end of the train. So I think it's just two. Stars don't. I had twice. Yeah, the ones that are in the Edward room and the dog cages, kennels later on in the train. Well, can I think of remake when you open the front doors and they come out? It is just two. Only twice do you encounter Cerberus. That's so nonsense in their appearance. I genuinely are puzzled as to why they're in the game at all. Well done. I had a funny feeling when you went out of the main doors. You, um... you should, perhaps they should, but then you are over right over a cliff. There's supposed to be a bridge, isn't there, across? No, that was Remake. That was Remake. Which has actually never happened to me. I never knew that happened, that you could get those in the uh, hallway if you go back out of them. Question number four. What USS squad were sent to, to complete the reclamation project? So what designation name were they given? Star Star? Delta. Batman. Yep, Delta. George Trevor. No, I, th- I, you guys are right because I'm remembering it now. No, but I thought it had they were broken into team. A. I was going to say team A or team B. No, didn't know. It is Delta. It is Delta Squad. Of course, famously replaced by Wolfpack. <laughs> 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 Correct points there to Batman and Star's Tyrant. It was Delta. Yes. And finally, question number five: What item in the game? Is exclusive to the GameCube version. And what does it do, George? You sound perplexed. I'm so intrigued by this. Yeah, it can't be something that does much. Other, but wait, sorry, when you say exclusive to the game, sorry, exclusive to the GameCube version. 
Yes, it's only in the game. It's not in the HD version. It's only oh, in the I game. Oh, I see. Oh, um, fuck. I'm going to be here forever. I just can't. I, I don't know. I'm trying to make a good guess. I, I can't think. What was lacking in the... By the sound of your voice, it's something... Oh, I don't... <laughs> I've got no idea. I'm going to kick myself, aren't I? Probably. Batman, did you know? The only thing I can think of is... Is it the key to unlock the special costumes? Because in the HD version, you just use the briefcase that's in your inventory. That's a great answer. Star Stone? Because I unlocked it, I can confirm, John, it is the closet key. Ah. Unlock it in the little room that you get the um, hunting shotgun from. That's where the closet is in the train. Is the correct answer. I, I keep walking up to that door. I'm wondering where. Why have I not got the key? I keep. Yeah, it tells you it's got a special lock. Even on the HD version, I think it still tells you that. Yeah, it does. And I keep thinking, why have I not picked it up somehow when I've completed this game? You, <laughs> why? Oh, my there God. we go. Only on GameCube version. Can't remember. Actually, remember the the process of picking a costume. Does it load in like a closet, like the original remake did, or anything? I, I can't, honestly can't remember. I think it just opens the cupboard, and you can just see it hanging up. I think. All right, okay, like like remake to uh, like RE two then. Yeah. Let's have a look at those final scores. Well, this podcast winner, Stars Tyrant, a massive four and a half out of five. It doesn't happen often, folks. Congratulations, very good. Second place with three and a half is Batman, and finishing last this time with one and a half, it's George Trevor. So congratulations, Stars Tyrant. Join us next time when we'll have some more questions. We're rapidly approaching the end of our celebratory RE0 podcast. Coming up next, we're going to be hopefully doing a final preview of Remake 4 just before it drops. If not, well, we'll be very close, I think, to Remake 4 released by my by my reckoning. So we'll see We'll see if we can squeeze in a final preview podcast or it may be that we go straight into our review one. We'll see how it goes. Exciting times for Remake fans, no doubt. But on that note and our general positivity, I'd like to say, about Resident Evil Zero, we'll bring this podcast to an end. It is goodbye for me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Batman. Goodbye from me, Star Siren. And goodbye from me, George Trevor. <laughs>